And ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No. Because I'm going to get him. This is the Hagman and Hagman Report for today. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this episode. We broadcast Monday through Friday, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Global Star Radio Network. It's the place to be. And, of course, uh, YouTube Live and uh, Blog Talk Radio. I'm looking at our... We're, 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 we were able, and thanks, thanks to many of your support, we're able to now... Uh, um, get some, uh, well, upgrade our, our camera system. And, uh, they're currently working on that now as we speak. So by Monday for sure we'll be up, who knows, maybe even sooner. But, uh, it's good stuff. Good stuff. I want to thank each and every one of you for, uh, for your belief and your support in us. You know, it, it's, a, it's, it's really, I'm going to tell you something right now. It is, uh, there's a war out there. Hey, Pizzagate, Pizzagate, Pizzagate. That'll come down off of Facebook and Twitter in, in, in a nanosecond. But, you know, Facebook, they refuse to explain why that live video of attack, uh, you know what I'm talking attack, I'm talking about that special needs young man that was tortured by the four miscreant pieces of human debris in Chicago. And then, then sent out live via Facebook. You tell me why they left that up 30 minutes. 30 minutes. Yet Pizzagate isn't even allowed to go up or, or is taken down immediately. What kind of disgusting piece of crap is this company, Facebook? And, they, and, and you talk about disgusting crap. What kind of disgusting crap does that to a special needs kid? Did you see that story? I'm angry. I'm extremely angry. You've got a bunch of, of of people out there. These these uh, uh, these people who will who who apparently you know, they're okay. Or, you know, hey, we we have to protect any accusations from pedophilia. But go ahead. You've got four blacks. Four blacks. I'm going to say that again. Four blacks tormenting a white. It's a hate crime. It's a race crime. And saying f Donald Trump. And making him drink out of the toilet. If you don't want to, if you don't know what I'm talking about, then get your head in the news, in the real news, not the fake news, not not the wussified news that the mainstream media wants you to listen to, but the but the real news. There's a race war going on out there, and you better understand that we as whites are. And, and you know, you, you you call me racist, but as far as I am concerned. The mainstream media, in this case, not just dropped the ball. They dug a hole, put the ball in it, it covered the ball up, took the shovel that they used to dig that hole, and, and buried the shovel. I'm going to tell you what, if this is if this is my 18-year-old son, if this was my 18-year-old son, I'd be going out. Uh, How dare these people? How dare these these people? How dare anyone 
fail, refuse to recognize the black on white crime. How dare you Christians out there send me emails because I had Colin Flaherty on and we talked about his book White Girl Bleed a Lot and you as your, your, you, you Christians, so to speak Christians said, how dare you talk about that? How dare you talk about facts? Especially when it comes in, in, in when it's, when it's so, when it implicates blacks or, 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 other than whites. This is a this is a hate crime. It's a hate crime. And it's a hate, and, and I'm going to tell you these hate crimes are going to continue on and on and on and on and on, and it's only going to get worse because no one wants no one's got the balls to talk about it. No one has got the no one's got the guts to to, to be to, to say, look, this is not right. There's a problem here. There's black on black crime, black on white crime. I'm not being racist. I'm just looking at the statistics. And then we and then then we throw open the doors with with people who are, and as Alex Jones said in a recent video, drug resistant TB. What it, what are these people thinking? Open the southern border. Allow these these young kids in with drug resistant TB, with with actual leprosy, with uh, with all sorts of diseases. And and Dennis, you can stop emailing me any time. Uh, here's my here's my question. What are we going to do about it? You see, you got these pukes, these 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 pukes who throttle our numbers, who come by and you know give a thumbs down because that's what they need to do. They they live in this universe where they feel that they've got to tear down, take down pulled down, destroy anything, anyone, any person, any entity that wants to give the news, that wants to give the unfiltered, unvarnished news. This is what their mission in life is. And as far as I'm concerned, they, the accuser of the brethren, are nothing more than satanic minions, the sperm, the spawn of Satan. I'm going to tell you something. You don't like the way I'm talking? Change the channel. Because we're doubling down in 2017. How dare people? How dare people? Come on. And do nothing. Do nothing. They've got nothing on their resume except ripping people down that attempt to do the right thing, that attempt to speak the truth. How, what, what is your life so friggin' empty? Is that what you gotta do? Are you so intellectually bankrupt? That's what you've got to do? You've gotta take on Christians? Other Christians? Rip it, rip down other Christians? That's that's your that, that, that's your legacy you're going to leave to your children. 
It's one thing to take on a pedophile. It's one thing to take on the globalist agenda of trying to rip down a country. Trying to rip down a population. It's another thing altogether to cause, to, to, to rip into the Christians out there. The spiritual bankruptcy I've seen to me is just beyond the pale. You know, I, I, if I was an atheist, I'd be laughing at the Christians out there. I would. You guys can't get your act together. Oh, wait, wait, you're holier than him. She's holier than her. Okay, no, hang on. Let me see if I follow this now. So, okay, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna take, you're gonna, you're gonna attack her, and then she's gonna attack him. And then you got all this chaos within the body. I, I see. Okay. J- just keeping score here. Portions of the nice broadcast brought to you by ZipRecruiter.com. ZipRecruiter.com. Folks, uh, if you're looking to hire someone, Posting your job in one place is not enough to find quality candidates. Let me direct your attention to ZipRecruiter.com slash free trial. ZipRecruiter.com slash free trial. More on that later. I had to do that because because the next thing out of my mouth would have really been really been uh, passionate. See, I'm not. You know, it, it's it's not really not anger. It, it's passion. It's it saddens me to see so many people out there who are cannibalistic against others and Christians and such. It really is when when they they feel they've got this 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 truth and they don't. But but see what really bothers me more than anything is the collectively I can see Christians being taken down by other Christians, but I can see the I can see this uh, and as, as Alex Jones said this. Uh, Romans 13 being used against Christians and, and being promoted, you know, it, 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 it's just, how, how dare some of these Christians go out there and, and to demand subjugation of their, of their flock? How dare them to the government, to, to an, un, to, to a government that, that, that is, that's out of control? How dare them? You know, I, I, I just, I, I don't get it. And, and for each and every one of you out there, you know, the, the, the flybys, the, I'm going to write this about him because I can't believe his rant. Okay. I'm going to downvote because, uh, you know, just that, because that's what I do. And, and, and I, I don't care. I, I, I mean, I, I, seriously, I, it doesn't bother me because it, it, what bothers me is the, Social engineering that is going on—that that's merely a downvote, a, a, you know, a, a banning on Twitter or Facebook or, or whatever the social networking. That is more of a symptom of a larger issue, of, whether it's censorship or whatever. It, that's more of a symptom, and, and I feel bad for those people who, who who get some sort of 
if if you get paid for it, good, good, fantastic. You get paid for that doing that. That to me, you know what? That, that's okay. <laughs> that's that's okay. But if, if you're that 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 person out there, that that Christian that that says, you know, I'm I'm going to go to my Bible, I'm going to cite a verse, and because he's he just he said a curse, you know, curse word, or because of this or that, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go against them. Then to me, that is the problem. That's the bigger, bigger problem. That's where the spiritual, social, moral, intellectual bankruptcy comes in. And to you, I say, you can go straight to hell. And yes, I said that. As far as I'm concerned, and maybe I'm, I'm speaking carnally, you can go straight to hell. If I, if I, if I lose listeners over this, you know, I'm sorry. I, I, you've got, at some point, you've got to, you've got to draw the line. You've got to draw the line and you've got to look at what's important. You know, it's, it's, um, to me, it's amazing to me. If you were in a foxhole and you've got bombs or mortars going on, going, going off all around you, okay, you're fighting for your life. Let's say you're trying to free a, a captive village from ISIS terrorists and you got mortars flying around and you look at the guy next to you. And you say, well, you're not wearing your backpack right. Are you kidding me? To me, that's analogous to what's taking place. If I was that guy, I'd be worried about getting shot by the guy in the foxhole next to me. By me. But then that's just my opinion. And of course, all of this, just, just to be sure, just so everyone understands this, all of this is my opinion. Just in case. And I, this is America. I, I think we're allowed to have opinions, right? We're still allowed opinions. So this is my opinion. Eric just, Eric just sent, slipped a note to me. He said, uh, you better bring John on. John Robertson, program director for the Hagman Report. Am I fired or what? <laughs> Folks, there you have it. Doug Hagman coming in on a Thursday night, coming in hot. Uh, thank you so much for bringing me into the studio moments this evening, Doug. And, you know, uh, just by way of some, some quick housekeeping, a hot second of housekeeping. Folks, we had an incredible day today on the HagmanReport.com. And I want to draw all of the listeners' attention to HagmanReport.com because... Uh, many of our independent contributors really stepped it up today and blessed us with a ton of new content. Now, Doug, as you know, our guest in Hour 2 and 3 this evening is Patrick Wood, uh, author of Technocracy Rising and the founder and senior editor of Technocracy News. Now, Patrick blessed us with two articles today, and I am looking right now at one of them uh, entitled Leading Scholar, Gets, uh, Leading Scholar Outs Global Elite Endgame as Technocracy. There are two articles at HagmanReport.com this evening, folks, that you can take a look at from Patrick Wood. Also, our uh, economics go-to new uh, uh, guest to the Hagman and Hagman Report, Stephen Minking, he joined us in early October, uh, wrote a great little piece about Bitcoin and precious metals and just kind of a uh, covering the waterfront forecast of what we can expect in 2017. Again, that's by Stephen Minking up on HagmanReport.com. And lastly... Uh, my piece, uh, Doug, which is called Optical Dissonance and Fake News Deception. 
And this is what I wanted to discuss with you this evening, uh, Doug, because what I believe is really since 9-11, but it's been tuned up to to 11 (laughs) since the uh, incident at Bundy Ranch back in April of 2014. What we are as consumers of news and information, what we are what we are beginning to deal with, the conundrum that we find ourselves in, and it's been amplified by this fake news versus real news uh, debate, which which I've almost put debate in finger quotes, Doug, because to me it's ludicrous. I'm I'm amazed that people even buy it. No, but, I agree. Uh, yeah, absolutely. But what I want to start off with tonight, and again, this comes from uh, the article I just posted moments ago uh, up on HagmanReport.com, and again, folks, that article is called optical dissonance and fake news deception. And it's interesting, Doug, that you would make the illusion you did a moment ago about uh, uh, being in a foxhole in a, in a battle space type environment, because what I want to lead off with tonight is, uh, is a sentence that I wrote in the article, and it simply says this. Folks, history shows us that disposition often yields profoundly positive repositioning. I'm going to say that again. History shows us that disposition often yields profoundly positive repositioning. And, Doug, the example that I drew from was uh, the Battle of the Bulge, the big German mechanized offensive toward the end of World War II. It was actually Christmas 1944. And if you look at the the article there on HagmanReport.com, folks, there is a map uh, of what the Battle of the Bulge looked like. And essentially, long story short, the Germans launched a surprise attack through the Ardennes Forest in December of 44 and drove about 55, 60 miles uh, through the Allied lines, and uh, ultimately they were trying to get to the Belgian port of Antwerp. They did not make it, but they punched a huge salient into the Allied front lines, a big bulge, thus the name. And there's an interesting quote, Doug, from uh, the Supreme Commander of Allied Expeditionary Forces, uh, of course, General Dwight D. Eisenhower. Uh, He took it in stride, to say the least, and he said, quote, now that they have come out of hiding, we can effectively annihilate them. Cogn- uh, optical dissonance is a, is a term that, that I cooked up uh, recently. And what it means, folks, it means the difference between what you're looking at and what you're seeing. And a, I, a very, uh, very important distinction, by the way, John, and, and thank you for bringing that up. And By the way, folks, HagmanReport.com, excellent article. John, go ahead. Oh, thank you, Doug. Yeah, and what I want to touch on tonight is really twofold. Number one, folks, the measure of the difference between what you are looking at versus what you are seeing, I believe that therein lies the truth. And each of you, and I encourage you to think about this, uh, and again, it's in the article, I said, you know, if we were all seated around the Hagman kitchen table, I bet each of us, Doug, would have a different example of of what used to be called footage, but of course now that we're in the digital age, the the term has really become optics, that we all have seen things in just the past few years, Doug, that we're looking at them and our eyes are processing what we're seeing, but our minds and our spirits, and especially for the Christian remnant, our spirit of discernment is just saying, look, I don't buy it. And I included, it's funny, I included as a couple images in the article, uh, the camera that's in black and white up on a huge boom crane uh, in downtown Los Angeles. Oddly enough, I shot that picture, Doug, and that's from a ZipRecruiter commercial that I did about 18 months ago. Wait, um, wait, 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 you didn't tell me that. <laughs> well, i gotta, no. I got to leave a few things out. <laughs> oh, man, okay. That's yeah, I did, did a ZipRecruiter commercial. They were great people, awesome client. It was, a, it was a fantastic commercial. And then there's also another picture that I took uh, from a series of commercials I did for the uh, 
toys that complemented the new Star Wars. Not Rogue One, but the one that came out prior to that. And again, that was a uh, a set that I was on. I was part of a series of commercials for Star Wars and also for X-Men. And I chose a picture of uh, a couple of the child actors and R2-D2 standing in front of green screens. And yeah. if you look closely at that image, folks, you'll note that aside from the what, what we call four-by floppies, which are diffusion, and the green screen itself, and you can see camera people, and it's a pretty cool picture. But if you look in the background, you'll see that it's clearly Los Angeles. There's palm trees everywhere, and the sun is setting over the Pacific. <laughs> so I included that picture as a visual representation to suggest this. And I'm sure Tech Eric would, would, uh, would give us a tip of the hat on this one. What you see is not necessarily what is real. And, uh, folks, those of you who have been with the show for a while may recall that uh, Joe and I did a, a couple, I think it was a couple of hours back in June, uh, and we talked about the optics of the Orlando nightclub shooting. Now, I'm not going to get into that tonight, Doug, but if you go back and take a look at that show, I think it was early June, and it is linked in the show description for this evening. Uh, uh, Joe and I just used my Hollywood background and the way that I was trained by all the major studios, primarily Disney and Warner Brothers, uh, to analyze what we were seeing and what, what made sense and what didn't make sense. And in the case of, of uh, the Orlando shooting, there were so many things that just don't work. And, and, you know, one of my Hollywood sort of templates that I use to define these things is if I'm looking at something that's supposedly real news, Doug, and I, and I immediately say we would never make those mistakes in Hollywood, then where there's smoke, there's fire. So again, I go back to what I would almost consider the thesis for tonight, which is simply this. History shows us that disposition often yields profoundly positive repositioning. And what I'm going to suggest to all the listeners tonight is that we are, number one, we are, in, we are literally in a fight for our lives right now. And folks, that's why Doug came in so hot tonight, because we are, I would say from my, my perspective, at the Hagman and Hagman Report, we are holding the line. Okay, there's no battle of the bulge going on here. They have not punched through our main battle line, but they're trying, and they're trying every day, and frankly, most of their attempts at this point, Doug, I'm sure you would agree, are pathetic. You know, okay, I, and I do, you had sent me, um, for a different reason, but you had sent me a, a clip of Alex Jones, 15 minute, 15 minute clip of Alex Jones, kind of going off, in a, in at least, it was like 7 o'clock, yeah. 7.30, okay, uh, that night he went off, I don't know how many people know, know about this. But he made some references in there. If you understand, look, you can't really. I'll just say this: there are things that he didn't say there in that in that video. If that he couldn't say, okay, I know that. Um, the fight that's being waged is pathetic indeed. But here's the problem: even though it's pathetic, it's time-consuming, it's energy-draining, and it's it expensive, is, and it's expensive. That's right, and, and people have got no clue. But uh, that, that, you know, but, but you know what though, it, it is. But they're not going to win in the end. And, and either go ahead. I, you know, I'm not going to take you they off can't. track. But that's well, right. They well, cannot win. The thing. They can't because. And yes. I'm just going to. I'm. I, I am tempted, but for expediency's sake, I cannot go into detail uh, with analyzing some of the incidents that I mentioned in the article, and I just chose, uh, Doug, the ones that I think are the most pronounced and that really just kind of smacked us all across the nose with their stupidity. I, I put, you know, 9-11, Sandy Hook, the Boston Marathon, and I also included last night's story out of Chicago. Now, we'll touch on that in a moment. But I want to ask each of the listeners to think about this for a moment. If you watched 
that unbelievable moment. Now, Doug, when we had our meeting this morning, I mentioned to you, I'm too young to remember the Black Panthers uh, and their, you know, I've, I've seen pictures of them with the firearms out on the steps of the Oakland City Hall and uh, the federal courthouse. And I know these things went down, but it's a little before my time. I was probably one or two years old when that happened. But yeah, I did too. see the standoff that Saturday afternoon at Bundy Ranch. And I'll tell you something by way of a little inside baseball. Um, uh, my friend and one of our uh, previous advertisers, Chance, uh, with American Survival Wholesale, he uh, had some people that he knew on the ground there at Bunkerville. And so I actually, Doug, knew about 90 minutes before they went to get the cattle that they were going to do so. And I, I mentioned that, folks, because I wanted to share this kind of with you on a personal note, because it was the first time in my life. I remember sitting there in a cafe. I was drinking coffee, and my hand started to shake a little bit because I realized that we're not in Kansas anymore. I just got off the phone with somebody who just got off the phone with Stuart Rhodes who told me what's going to break across mainstream media, and it, and it, in fact, broke about two hours later. Now, here's the important part. Those of you who witnessed this, especially in real time, may recall that it broke where? On InfoWars. How? Because David Knight and the people that he was with, I'm sorry, Doug, I cannot remember the camera operator's name, they were able to create a stream. In fact, they created three of them. And I know yep. I remember the one that I was on had, I think it was 900,000 viewers. It was insane. It was close to a million. Yep. So they created a Ustream. And, of course, now we have Periscope also. And, folks, for those of you who aren't super tech savvy like myself, and dare I say, Doug, like you as well, <laughs> uh, Periscope and Ustream are both very simple apps that you can download onto your iPhone or your Droid that enable you to stream in real time. So you, so whatever you're recording, whatever you're pointing your smartphone at, is literally going up into the cloud and out to the world, whoever may be on your Ustream or your Periscope at the time. So it is a fail-safe method for doing what? For bringing real news to people like everybody listening tonight who demands real news. You see, here's the thing, folks. I can sit here and I could talk for the next three hours about how Hollywood trains us to deceive you, and we're really good at it. And the, and the sad thing is all of you have paid us exor ex uh, enormous amounts of money over the years to deceive you, and we utilize every penny to do just John, that. Hang on to that thought, man. Hang on to that thought. Imagine that. Hollywood's getting paid enormous amounts of money to deceive all of us. It's not that hard. To, it really is not that hard. It's John's next next segment. It's all John because uh, he's got a lot of great stuff to say. Uh, folks, go to HagmanReport.com. Read his latest article. Read all of the latest articles uh, by our contributors. My goodness, we've got some great contributors, and uh, just you know, and and I got to thank John and and uh, for his great article. Folks, read that because that's the theme for the next segment. Stay with us. You know, we, we've got a very good God that looks over us, we don't we, folks? We really do. And we have, um, we, we, the Hagman Report is blessed to have, number one, the best listening audience in the world. I would do, I would do anything seriously for the listeners of this 
of this broadcast. I feel like we we know you. I mean, I feel like there there's a bond there. I really do. And and it's that sounds corny, but uh that's the way I feel. And you know, I I know we have a chat running uh with our YouTube uh channel. I want to thank the moderators for that chat for their vol- I mean, if you talk about a thankless job. My goodness, thank you for all you do. JD in the south uh, and the, the southern uh, front, I want to thank you for what you do. Jackie and Eric up here and Joe up here in the in the trenches, thank thank you all. And, of course, John in the west, a big thank you as our program director. John, I'm going to turn it back to you, sir. Thank you so much. And, again, just by way of a quick moment of housekeeping, I just want to amplify what Doug just said about our chat and our moderators. You know, if you folks haven't had an opportunity, go back to... Uh, Monday's show, I believe it was, uh, or was it last Friday? I'm getting confused now. We, we had Pastor Paul Bagley on recently, and he and he just really dropped the hammer about a lot of what we're talking about tonight. But uh, the reason I bring up Paul Bagley's uh, recent visit with us is because our chat was blessed with a huge uh, uh, group of Paul Bagley's people. And they came over, and I not only saw this in the chat, but I received multiple emails after the fact uh, really uh, – complimenting and pouring accolades on our moderators in the chat because bottom line is this they keep the chat what chat rooms were designed to be a place for opposing opinion to be vetted and aired out disseminated intelligently and through a biblical perspective but we do get an incredible amount of troll there are just some straight up crazy people that punch in and sometimes they just punch in Doug I'm sure you've seen it with just slews of profanity basically disjointed Uh, like a like a disjointed profane crybaby, and uh, and our moderators uh, punch them out quickly. But but I would be remiss if I also didn't mention that the moderators do allow people to hang in who are not afraid to offer opposing viewpoints. And I think that the tilt point, Doug, at least from what I've experienced, is when uh, it becomes derisive either toward the host or the guests or toward uh, our Savior Jesus Christ, or when it becomes uh, when contrarian sort of crosses that that. That, uh, that fulcrum to antagonist. That's when you get the boot. So, yeah, tip of the hat to our moderators. And, and uh, again, I want to mention also, folks, there are two pieces at HagmanReport.com that I pinned. I, I write the, the uh, show right up every day. And the uh, title of this evening's show is Neotechnocracy and Optical Dissonance. That is not the article that I'm referring to with my remarks. However, they complement one another. And I make I, I mention that because if you look on the show write-up, folks, there's a sentence that reads, The point is, there is a ball of confusion wound around citizen journalism, mainstream media narratives, and the optics that purport to demonstrate both. Citizen journalism and mainstream media narratives are links. And what they link to, Doug, and I'm going to ask your opinion on this, they link to two videos that demonstrate perfectly what I'm talking about with... Uh, the, the proper dissemination and broadcast of real news, often in real time, versus the mainstream media uh, in t- intelligence agencies, D.C., concoctions of narratives that then follow. And those two links, folks, will take you directly to, first of all, the helicopter footage released by the FBI of the straight-up government-sponsored, taxpayer-funded assassination of Lavoie Finicum. The man was unarmed, driving to meet a county sheriff in the adjacent county to 
air his grievances, to have a discussion, to figure out how do we operate lawfully and within the legal framework of the law to mitigate the grievances that the ranchers uh, at the Malheur Reservation in Oregon had early last year. The second link shows the citizen journalist point of view, which was shot by that 18-year-old young woman, Doug, inside the truck, and that tells an entirely different story. Not that the FBI story looked good, but when you see what was going on inside that truck, it is horrific. And Doug, I want to bounce this off you. When you first saw that video that came out a few days later, shot by the young lady that was inside Lavoie Fenicum's truck, mm-hmm. well, I'll just tell you how I felt, and then I'll bounce it to you. I, 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 was, I, was, I was angry, and, I, and that anger was, in, was replaced with extreme incredulity because I, I couldn't believe, I thought that the country would rise up. They gunned that man down. And they proceeded to put how many rounds, Doug, 130 into that truck. And what does that mean? That means that they intended to gun all of them down. It's only because Dodge builds a good truck that those people are still breathing. Doug, what was your take on that? You know what? I I was upset in equal measure um, against the the agents that fired their weapons in that that manner. and I was equally upset with the people who immediately, not knowing or not seeing, or even in spite of seeing that second video, regardless, saying, well, they asked for it, or they deserved it, or it, it, it's as if the... Um, I tried to I tried to look at it as if it was my father, my brother, someone close to me, you know, my family. Would I want Would I want or expect this to happen? And the, the bottom line is no. So I was I was angry both at the federal agents and I've worked with federal agents, you know, and uh, we've had uh, conversations over coffee. Hey, you know, uh, what's your and we talk, you know, what's your closest call? Did you ever have you fired your gun? Have you killed anybody? And Everyone I've talked to said, no, thankfully, no, I've not. I've not had to, you know, even come close to shooting anyone. Yet these people seem to take pride in that. It's a different breed of uh, of officer out there uh, in some cases. Now, that's not to indict all all, all federal and, and state and local officers. However, um, there is this, uh, this seemingly uh, big chasm between the old school and what they're bringing in now sometimes. Uh, or, or, the you know... But anger, anger doesn't even begin to describe it. But I'm equally angry at the people, the so-called Christian conservatives, who, who who said, "Well, that wasn't; they shouldn't have been where they were," and such, not knowing the story. I don't know if that answers your question, but well, it certainly does. And like many good questions, it 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 spawns many others. But I want to use that, Doug, as a segue into something we discussed uh, in our uh, morning meeting uh, earlier today, <clears throat> afternoon meeting for you. <laughs> um, So I want to explain to the listeners this evening how I personally uh, garnered my news when Ferguson popped the first time around. Now, uh, quick story, long story short, I was working on a a universal production at the time called State of Affairs with Katherine Heigl. It was a short-lived show, and I was actually in a production vehicle when my uh, iPhone alert went off and Drudge Report posted that the Ferguson verdict was in. And I will never forget this. I got home, and I had a couple of computers up, and I watched a split screen of the jihadi-in-chief, uh, Barry uh, J- uh, Satoro, 
uh, in split screen, basically articulating <laughs> uh, a message that, that was supposedly, let's remain peaceful, but there are legitimate grievances, and at the same time, tear gas canisters were flying and buildings were going up in flames in real time. And at that moment, Doug, my training from when I was with the investigate, I was with an investigative firm for a brief time in the early 90s, kicked in. And so this is what I did, and this is, this is what I want to use to illustrate to the listeners tonight how much power every single person listening to this conversation truly has. Folks, the night Ferguson popped, I sat in my apartment in Pasadena, and on one computer, I had a Ustream that was provided by somebody's cell phone in real time from Ferguson. And on another computer, I had a repeater that had multiple scanner channels up, but the one I was listening to was the, um, was the Ferguson Police Department, and at that, at, at that night, they were partnered with the state police, uh, what they call command. And Doug, you know, I know you've been around law enforcement. Folks, when they have big incidents like this, they break their uh, assets up into multiple departments, a lot like the military does. You've got tactical, transport, command, uh, et cetera, admin. And this is how they keep everything straight. So I was listening to the command frequency on the scanner, which is basically the generals and the colonels telling the troops what to do. So folks, by, by having a very cursory understanding of what they call the TIN codes, and I'm sure many of the listeners know what they are, but you can, you can do a search on Google. Just, you know, it's where 10-4 comes from or 10-20. These are the codes that law enforcement and emergency service personnel use to describe what they're looking at. And then there are other numeric codes. And once you know, you know, Doug, of course, once you know a couple dozen of those, you can listen to uh, police chatter, eh, not with complete, not with complete fluency, but but reasonably well, at least enough to understand what's going on. So, sure. so consider this, folks. I was watching a citizen journalist stream the conflagrations in the businesses, the Oath Keepers standing guard, the um, National Guard standing down. They were present, but they were standing down under orders. I was watching that in real time while listening in real time to the, to the law enforcement, uh, the different departments talk back and forth with one another. That is real news. There is no filter to that whatsoever except the filter of my own mind and my discernment. And of course, that requires, uh, that requires conscientious uh, integrity on the part of all of us, but it's incredibly powerful. And, Doug, I want to ask you this. I know that you've stood as an expert witness in many court cases, many of them criminal. If I understand correctly, most of them civil, but with criminal implications. Doug, can you imagine how different Mm -hmm. your career trajectory and your uh, profession would have been uh, 20 years ago if folks had iPhones and they had the capability of Ustream or Periscope to bring into court what went down in real time? (laughs) Even five years ago, I mean, it, it, yes, yeah, it, it's an amazing thing to think about. It really uh-huh. is. And this is what I want to encourage. Doug, you have said many times in the, over the course of the last, I'd say, what, maybe six weeks, that the digital media platforms, the frontline media, that's what I like to call it, we must stick together. And we must. And that's why we are strengthening our bonds with Sean at SGT, Dave, who was our guest last night from X22 Report. Daniel List, the dark journalist, Brittany Pettibone, Tara, Andrew Kerr. Tomorrow night we're going to introduce a new citizen journalist to you folks. Talk about it's going to be a great guest. Hour three, Josh Kaplan, the founder and the senior editor of VesselNews.io out of Montreal. Now, why do I bring up Josh? Josh curates news, much like Drudge Report, folks. He has software that 
monitors close to a thousand news feeds and refreshes every three seconds. So he is on point for breaking news. And he's indicated this to me and emphasized it repeatedly. He does not look for a political ideology or a political slant. He looks for breaking news. That's his number one criteria. And Doug, I mentioned this to you in one of our recent meetings. Josh Kaplan, again, third hour guest tomorrow night, folks, on the Hagman and Hagman Report. He is incurring incredible blowback as a news aggregator. He's not writing articles. He's not out shooting stuff with his iPhone. He's just pasting it all together on his website. He -hmm. has been shadow banned from Twitter. He's had many threats made to him and to both his family and he uh, for their basic safety. And he's had a lot of his efforts demonetized. So, folks, please understand when Doug and I talk about this, I'm sure Patrick Wood will have something to say about it, too, and many of our guests lately have. This is not a joke. It's not a minor issue. It is one of the big, big deals that we have had to deal with since the Hagman and Hagman report first launched. So this is where we're at. Again, I go back to that sentence I shared at the opening of my remarks. History shows us that disposition often yields profoundly positive repositioning. What did Eisenhower say? He said, now that they've come out of hiding, we can effectively annihilate them. So, Doug, I will ask you this. Have we not seen in the post-November 8 era the mainstream media essentially come out of hiding? They've ripped off their faces and shown themselves to be the lizards they are. So what do we do? I say we take a cue from Ike. Now that they've come out of hiding, we can effectively annihilate them. How do we do that? Uh, through through uh, rants and discourse? Well, that part's fun. But frankly, folks, the way we do it is every single one of you has got to get involved. And how do you do it? It's real simple. When you see something that appears newsworthy, you've got the tool in your purse or your back pocket. Whip it out, swipe your finger a couple times, and make it happen. Because you are literally, every single one of you, I don't care what state you're tuning in from, what city or what country, You are the vanguard that can not only serve as the bulwark against this fake news pushback, this garbage that was probably cooked up by the Podesta camp to cover their own crimes, but that's a different show for another time. I'm saying to every single one of you tonight, from 18 years in Hollywood, 16 years working for the big studios, you have the power. You carry it in your back pocket every day, but you've got to use it. And then you've got to get that material to platforms like the Hagman and Hagman Report, True News. InfoWars, the Common That's Sense right. Show, the That's Banning right. Report. Yep. Doug? Yep. No. Did you just... No, I mean... I, I just I'm handed just, it to you. That was, that yeah. was what you call a soft pitch. <laughs> uh, I, okay. <laughs> Sorry. Slow on the uptake there for a moment. No, no you, you're right. Um, we, we, each one of us, um, whether you're a Christian, a conservative, a conservative Christian... It, it doesn't matter. We we all have that that capability right now to to make changes, and um, you know, we none of us should be afraid to do that, and none of us should be afraid not to stand down in the face of of, of that. We need to we need to be um, we need to take care of business, really. And and you know, like you, I I really like your article, and I, I like what you had written, um, because oftentimes what it, what you see on the corporate media is um, just is just within that uh, capture of the green screen for example and not the entire picture so well Doug, so let's cool. let's i mean you and i you and i are you know we've both been around for <clears throat> for a few decades uh let me ask you this just on a personal level just purely you know, just purely anecdotally would wouldn't you agree that over the past let's call it what let's just say the last 3 4 years 
uh, I can barely watch TV anymore. I get most of my information online, but a lot of it, of course, is is uploaded, you know, content from TV. Uh, I, I've never seen anything like this before. The, the presidential election, the whole Hillary thing, uh, the the uh, news anchor that was supposedly gunned down last last year, I believe it was in Atlanta. Uh, all the questions surrounding Sandy Hook. I mean, Doug, is is it just me, or have we gone completely into Crazy Town, USA? No, it's not just you. It's every it's everybody is. I mean, we're we're all looking at different. We're all looking at the same thing, different sets of eyes, and that's important, by the way. But but we're all seeing the fact that uh, there's something wrong here. There's there's uh, manipulation being being done with just about everything that we see. And you know, it, it amazes me, John. Just as a kind of a side note, um, and and this is why. This is why I, I'm angry. I'm angry because the people who control the switches, um, who, 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 who uh, uh, whether it be Facebook, Twitter, or any of the corporate uh, media moguls, and even their stooges that sit in there, Megyn Kelly, for 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 example. Uh, I mean, look at look at that. Back to the lizard people. <laughs> exactly. You know. I mean, come on, man. I, you know what? So so. so we need to stand up. We need to to say no more. And if we don't do, see, here's the thing: if we don't do, if we don't do what we need to do right now, we're not going to have another chance. I'm convinced of that. We're not going to have another chance. And the people who are out there that, that are just, uh, you know, making uh, uh, making life miserable, or you know, whatever they whatever they think they're they're doing to create their own little puny legacy in their puny skulls. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but but adding nothing to the adding hey, I'm working to, on my puny legacy. Okay, <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, I'm talking about the people that go after that, that 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 you know go after Jones, go after Rick Wiles, go after us, go after everyone. It just it seems to me like okay, look, we're doing our our level best. Okay, we're trying in every day we're trying to bring the the news out there, and and I'm not trying to give this. This is not a sales pitch. It's just the way it is, and and sometimes when people either refuse to see it, can't see it, or are, are influenced by this optical dissonance that you speak of, um, it's it's just it it, it man. It makes well, they're duped. That. They're, they're yeah. duped. And folks, let me let me be clear. First of all, uh, just so you know, what's coming up in 2017, uh, JD, Joe Hagman, and myself are all going to be going to truck driving school. So that's the plan. Uh, I, I, I haven't discussed this with Joe, but uh, and of course JD's not into it. Or Doug, actually. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're gonna we're gonna go work at the lumberyard. But uh, but before that, here's the bottom line, folks. And I've got a few moments left with you this evening. This is what we need to do. Ever since I first joined the Hagman Report, you know, as a as a caller, and then ultimately a guest many years ago. Now, I guess it is many years ago now. Uh, one of my one of my my exhortations to you folks has always been to look at the problems, but then look at the solutions. And most of the shows that the Lord has blessed me to bring in on this platform and others, I've always tried to find that balance. I've prayed over it. I've sought counsel from many other uh, men and women around our campfire. It's not good enough at this point to just be finally uh, attenuated to and aware of and even able to articulate with great profundity the problems. That's not good enough. That's 2012. That's 2013. This is 2017. We are in arguably the most dangerous time geopolitically, economically, and I know my main man JD would say spiritually. Sure. Of of not only our lifetimes, but perhaps of modern humanity. So what do we do? This is the bottom line. Each of you carries the power in your hearts and in your back pocket or your purse. Get that phone out and get the real news up into the cloud where it cannot be 
manipulated, squashed, deleted, etc. Now, I also want to add as a cautionary note, folks, don't become obnoxious, okay? It's not about if you see something, say something. Don't start shooting your neighbor because uh, his dog comes over and poops on your lawn. I mean, if that's what you need to do, I guess that's fine, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about real news events, and I'm sure many people that can hear my voice right now have found themselves in multiple real news events. I know personally I've been in dozens in my life. Your capability with simply keeping a charged phone and a willingness to document you don't have you don't folks you don't have to worry about contextualizing it or writing a brilliant article or going to journalism school. All you need is your first amendment right and your smartphone. That's it. Get it in the cloud so that so that the powers that be cannot delete it or squash it and then get it to the Hagman and Hagman report. Get it to Ed Zoll over at True News. Get it to John B. Wells's people. Right. And that is the first step, in my opinion, Doug, that we need to take. And I want to, again, I want to emphasize, I'm not suggesting that people become obnoxious uh, badgerers of their neighbors, their kids, teachers, etc. There is a, there is, there is judgment and discretion to be used here. When you see a car on fire in the Walmart parking lot, that's news. When you see a couple fighting in the Walmart parking lot, that's personal business. Leave them alone, unless it, unless it, of course, you know, becomes a physical issue. So that's my that's my overall message for the listeners tonight is just to to involve yourselves and understand this. I put this out in an article last week, and I want to reiterate it tonight. I invited Hagman listeners to email the studio with your uh, I don't want to say predictions, but with your insight as to where we're headed in 2017. Shoot them over to Jackie. Put 2017 in the subject line. Those emails will ultimately come to me. We will disseminate the information. We will vet it if necessary, provided what, you're, what you submit is up to par and it's not just uh, sort of bizarre conjecture. Uh, what I intend to do, and Doug, you and I discuss this, I'm going to frame it up into an article that we can all celebrate. Okay, I'll be the person putting the, the words on the page, but this is an opportunity for Hagman listeners all over the world to contact us and get your view on the record for the next 12 months. So this is what you need to do. Number one, you need to become a citizen journalist. You know, you, you know what makes Brittany Pettibone and Tara and Andrew Kerr and Josh Kaplan citizen journalists? They do it. That's all. They do it. They all have notably different backgrounds, but they right. do it. And they, the more you do it, do the it. better you get. That's right. That's right. Exactly. Suit up and show up. So, folks, here's 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 my parting thought for tonight. And Doug, thank you so much for bringing me on for a bit. Sure. Get involved. Realize that you are a news conduit. You, every single one of you, can do exactly what Doug and Joe and myself and JD and Rick Wiles and JB Wells and Dave Hodges. We're all the same. All of us have completely varied backgrounds, private investigations, Hollywood, a, a basketball coach, football coach, a photography assist. I mean, we come from all different walks of life, but we have one thing in common. We are dedicated to disseminating the truth to the best of our ability, vetting it to the best of our resources, because we understand that this is a crucial time, not just in our personal lives, but for our progeny and also in the history of humanity. And I will, I will make this my final remark for this evening. Folks, you may believe in Jesus Christ and you may not, but I can guarantee you this, you are gonna meet him and you will give account. <laughs> and I've, I'll tell you, I've done some rotten things in my day. Thank God for the blood of Christ. But you know what? When that accounting occurs, I cannot look at my savior 
and hang my head and say, when it came to defending the defenseless, when it came to, to blaring about Pizzagate, when it came to uh, uh, pushing back against Planned Parenthood selling baby parts, when it came to, to finding brothers to stand with me and then standing with them regardless of the blowback, I, I can't stand on that day of accounting, Doug, and hang my head and say, well, I, I was scared. Or I didn't have yeah. enough money in the bank, or I, or I didn't have, I didn't have press credentials. I, I didn't go to a, a journalism school, so sorry. You know, I can't do that. And and folks, right. everybody listening to the show tonight, you can't do it either. So I'm calling muster tonight. Get involved. Shoot footage. Make your presence known because you are the vanguard against what they are projecting upon us. This whole fake news meme. This it's ludicrous. And also. Folks, I just want to say personally, thank you very much to those of you who helped us out over the past couple of days. Doug, you and I have not discussed financials, but I do know that Eric did get a piece of new equipment today. Praise God for that. I just want to thank all of the listeners uh, this evening for whatever level of participation made that happen. Well, thank you. And uh, I'm just going for the record number of mortgages on any single piece of property out there. So, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, all right, Doug, thank we'll, you so we'll much. Thank you. All right. God, God bless, bless you, you, John. Have Thank a great you, show with Patrick. Take care. All right. Folks, that was John, our program director, and, and he's just such a blessing, uh, really, for all of us. And and you can see his work. Uh, my goodness, you can see. You can see. And, and I think we're making great strides. 2017, we're doubling down in 2017. We're all in in 2017. We are um, uh, we're, we're going to fight the fight. And we, we are going to prevail, obviously. We are, uh, you know, it's it's one thing. Is God on our side? Are we on God's side? We have to we have to make sure both of those are in balance. But but uh, righteously, going forth and um, making a difference, making a difference where it counts, calling it like it is, not like it appears to be. Not sure, but looks like this. May no, calling it like it is when we when we can do that, or having it just just bringing the information to you. In its rawest form. Folks, we're right back with Patrick Wood. Stay right where you're at. Ladies and gentlemen, to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report, uh, boy, have we got uh, the the remainder of the program? Have we got an exciting program for you? Uh, you've you've heard him before, and I'm hopefully you've read his his book. Uh, uh, if if you haven't, you need to because it's a fantastic book. Uh, Technocracy Rising. With us uh, through the end of the show is going to be Patrick Wood. He's a leading and critical expert on sustainable development, green economy, Agenda 21, 2030 Agenda, and historic technocracy. He is the author of Technocracy Rising, the Trojan Horse of Global Transformation. That was, uh, I think, last year or just uh, late 2015. Co-author of Trilaterals Over Washington, Volumes 1 and 2. Those those books are fantastic. They never go out of, uh, out of uh, date, really. Uh, published back in, I think, 1980. 
of course, he had written those with Anthony C. Sutton, the late Anthony C. Sutton. Fantastic books. He, Mr. Wood's a leading uh, expert on the elitist trilateral commission, their policies, achievements, and creating their self-proclaimed new international economic order, new world order, and which is really the essence of sustainable development on a global scale. So we are so lucky to have him, his gracious gift of time with us and his sharing of knowledge with us tonight. It's it's just amazing. His website, folks, is technocracy.news. Now, it's in our, it's in our program dis- description. It's on the, uh, if you go to hagmanreport.com and pull up the uh, uh, program description, the article for the program tonight, the link's there to to his website. And from there, of course, you can uh, link or grab, grab, take the link, follow the link to his book. That's a great book, by the way. Uh, I've got, uh, actually, I've got two copies in my library, one that I use and one that's uh, is left in the studio all the time. So it's, it's it's a fantastic book. Before we get to Mr. Wood, folks, let me ask you. Uh, well, look, it's the new year, which means a fresh start for your business. And a great year starts with making great hires. But posting your job in one place, it's not enough to find quality candidates. If you want to find the perfect hire, you need to post your job on all of the top job sites. Now, business men, business women, entrepreneurs, I'm talking to you. Anyone who employs or is looking for someone, I'm talking to you. ZipRecruiter.com slash free trial. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash free trial. With ZipRecruiter, you can jumpstart your hiring this year, 2017. Post your job to 200 plus job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter, all with a single quick uh, click of a mouse. Find candidates in any city, any industry, nationwide. Just post once and watch your qualified candidates roll into ZipRecruiter's easy to use interface. There's no juggling of emails or calls to your office. You can quickly screen candidates. You can rate them and hire the right person fast. We've used ZipRecruiter. I've used it, that is. And I'll tell you, there's nothing easier. It, it's so simple. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by over 1 million businesses. And right now, my listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com com slash free trial that's ziprecruiter.com slash free trial one more time to try for free go to ziprecruiter.com slash free trial it's a fantastic service hoax really is it's with my it's my honor and privilege to bring on mr patrick wood patrick thank you so much for joining us tonight hey doug good to be back thank you hey it's it's, it's we're honored to have you actually actually um uh earlier I think it was earlier this week, Debbie Bacigalupi was with us. Um, and, uh, just, you know, can't wait, couldn't wait to get you on and have you on. So, uh, and you're the editor in chief of Technocracy News, which she, which she's, uh, uh, she's the ambassador at large for. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> that's what she is too. She is, uh, she is the consummate, um, presenter and networker. Um, she just is, she gets out there and gets her her fingers into everything you can imagine. Yes. Um, she ha- in a lot of ways has more <clears throat> she has more uh, brass than I do on some things. I tell you, she went to the uh, Paris Climate Change Conference last year, and you may remember back that there was a horrible terrorist attack right before that in Paris. Oh, that's right. Yes. You remember that. Yes. Yeah, and and everybody was like 
should I go? Should I not go? I mean, is Paris is going to be up in flames? I, and she said, I'm going, she told me, she says, I'm going to Paris. I said, Oh, Debbie, don't, don't go to Paris. Yeah. <laughs> nah, I'm going to Paris. And she did. And she made some great connections over there, met a bunch of uh, great scientists and stuff that were protesting against global warming. <laughs> Amazing. But that's the way she is. She just, yeah, you know, yeah. she's fearless. Just goes out and does well, it. Well, yeah, and, and she, she's, a, a, as you said, a great presenter. And, and yeah. she's got, she, but I'll tell you, together, you guys really represent this, this dynamo of information. And I don't know how many people really understand the importance of your research. Um, this is something that, that our listeners, folks, you have to understand. If, if I mean, we talk about the, the new world order, the global agenda, the elites, whatever you want to call it, you know that, that the, the global elite. Well, as Patrick Wood talks, and I, and I, I, I want to steal this line, uh, the, you know, technocracy is the, is the Trojan horse of um, the new world order, basically, it, it, that's what it is. And, and you, so, your specialty is technocracy, as it relates to the 20, uh, 2030 agenda and such. It, 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 it kind of everything there. So, where do you want to start tonight, sir? Uh, because there's so much going on. I mean, yeah, wow, there really is. And uh, still, I think most people uh, have a hard time understanding what technocracy is. So. I think it would be fully appropriate for a kind of a quick definition and Good. just lay, lay some groundwork, and then we can go into some of the new stuff that's happening today. <clears throat> and there is a lot of stuff going on today. It's really exciting. Uh, well, you understand, and, and in my business, when I say something is exciting... It doesn't mean it's good, right? <laughs> it just means yeah. that we have turned over some other rock and found, you know, a few more rattlesnakes, right? Um, yeah, a f- five alarm blaze. That's pretty exciting, but it doesn't mean it's, you know, it's good, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> For sure. So here's the definition of technocracy. <clears throat> if you were to go to the dictionary and just look it up in Webster's, You'd find something like government by technicians, management of society by technical experts. That's a, a partial definition. It's good. It's not inaccurate. But if, if you look for capital T and technocracy, <clears throat> you find a different thing altogether. You find a movement that existed back in the 1930s called technocracy. And they created a replacement economic system based on energy distribution and consumption to be run by engineers, scientists, and technicians. And that was when the time when the Great Depression was really bad, 1932, for instance. Um, lots of uh, unemployment, lots of soup lines, <laughs> food lines. It was, hor- it was really a horrible time. A lot of people thought that capitalism was dead. They just figured it's going to expire, folks, and we better do something different. So the science and engineers at Columbia University came up with this idea that, well, we're pretty smart people. We have science on our side. Uh, Let's design something ourselves. And they did. They came up with this system called technocracy. It was a resource-based system. It wasn't going to use supply and demand or any kind of economic theory that we know and are used to. It was to be regulated by energy. 
<clears throat> and we see the the elements of this, by the way, in things like cap and trade and, and sustainable development, green economy today. That's exactly what it is. But in 1938, <clears throat> uh, the Technocrat magazine gave a definition of technocracy. It's good. It's a good one. It's right from their magazine. They said technocracy is the science of social engineering the scientific operation of the entire social mechanism to produce and distribute goods and services to the entire population. Close quote. Mm. And that's it. That that's a what you that's what you call a, a one of those pregnant statements. It's it's got so much in it. Yeah. Uh, it's the science of social engineering for one. Okay, well that that ought to give you shivers just by itself you know oh my gosh you know the science of social engineering sounds like brain conditioning or brainwashing to me well yeah. that's kind of what it is <clears throat> then it talks about the scientific operation of the entire social mechanism well we feel the heat of that today don't we I mean we really are uh, our, our entire social mechanism is being manipulated by goofball science I mean, what what day don't you hear on the on the news or radio or somewhere? Well, scientists say blah blah blah. Well, science says blah blah blah. <laughs> you know, whatever that That's whatever true. it is, science says yeah. this, and of course you need to do what they say. Uh, whatever that is, you know, they you you know, oh science, gosh, oh my gosh, you know, so if science said it. I guess we all better believe it. So the scientific operation of, of the entire social mechanism is upon us today. And then the object of that is to produce and distribute goods and services to the entire population. And this is where people miss it. This is an economic system. It's not a political system. And I, I struggle with this, telling, you know, explaining this to people. And I realize we grew up with free enterprise and capitalism. That's all we know. We know the money in our pocket. But, you know, we, we understand supply and demand. Yep. If there's not so much of something in the store and people want it, prices go up. Otherwise, prices go down. <clears throat> but this technocracy stuff is altogether different. They want to take control of all production and all consumption. Uh, in other words, they want to say what people can make, business people can make, and they also want to say what you, the consumer, can consume. And they want to regulate that according to their scientific algorithms. It's a pretty tall so that's order. What, it is a tall order. But you see, my research in, in economics, uh, after I started studying technocracy, understanding what it was, I look back in history to see, well, how many other people or groups had ever created an alternative economic system? And you know what? I didn't find any. Not even a mention anywhere of such a thing ever happening. So this is the first time in history that anybody ever tried to come up with some kind of an alternative economic system. Gee, and okay. So the Trilateral Commission comes into the picture in 1973. You know the story. David Rockefeller and Zbigniew Brzezinski co-founded the Trilateral Commission in 1973. And it was predicated mostly on Brzezinski's book called Between Two Ages, America's Role in the Technotronic Era. Brzezinski was a brilliant guy. <clears throat> we need to 
give him a tip of the hat for that. He's a brilliant guy. I don't like his policies. I don't like anything that he wrote. I don't like anything about him. But he's a brilliant guy. And you can't count him, uh, you know, as being an idiot along the way. Well, he wrote this book, Between Two Ages. It was a brilliant book. Brzezinski picked up on it. I mean, uh, Rockefeller, with his money. And he said, you know what? We can use this to take over the world, (laughs) basically. I don't know if you remember the the old cartoon, Pinky and the Brain, from from the 1990s. But, you know, Uh, it's (laughs) it's like, what are we going to do tonight, boss? Well, it's the same thing we do every night. Now we're going to try to take over the world. Um, so I Rockefeller can yeah. yeah, wow. <laughs> you, ought to, you ought to go listen to a couple of episodes. They're hilarious. Uh, whoever did that really had this all figured out, I think. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, Rockefeller brought the money. Brzezinski brought the brains. They started the Trilateral Commission. And their tagline, their marketing tagline, was to create a new international economic order. That was all over their literature back then. You still see it today to some extent. George Bush, in his famous speech to the United Nations in whatever, 1980-something, maybe 1990, um, he shortened it it to New World Order. Yeah, he did. But it was the new international economic order from day one. I, I think George just slipped a, a bolt when he was talking and forgot to put an economic. Um, <clears throat> but it is the new international economic order. And we didn't understand back in those days that this was technocracy that they were talking about because we had no inkling what technocracy was. We had missed it in the history books. Sutton knew nothing about it. He never mentioned it to me if he did. And when I discovered it about... Well, several years ago now, seven, eight years ago, I immediately began to put two and two together and say, wait a minute, this is a new economic system. The Trilateral Commission was always wanting to create a new international economic order. Maybe they really meant new. You know, the word new, maybe it really means new. And sure enough, that's what we conclude. Well, I trace this going back and doing a little forensic study on what we know the Trilateral Commission did since 1973. And we find um, a prominent European Trilateral Commission member, Gru Brundtland, uh, heading up a committee that was formed through the United Nations in 1983. And she was commissioned to study sustainable development. Uh, they didn't call it that back in those in the early days, but that was her mission. It was called the Bruntland Commission. And it terminated in 1987 with the production of a book called Our Common Future. That book is still available on Amazon. I recommend people go and buy it, pay a few bucks, and read what it says. The United Nations, by the time 1992 rolled around, the United Nations adopted the policies listed in Our Common Future, and they incorporated that into Agenda 21. The United Nations back then and still credits Brundtland as being the inspirational and the academic whatever person that she's the mother, in other words, she's the mother 
of Agenda 21. She was a member of the Trilateral Commission. That's not a coincidence. Stuff like that is never a coincidence. Never. This was Trilateral Commission policy that she cooked up. She popularized the term sustainable development. She fed it lock, stock, and barrel to the United Nations. They ran off kind of like the brain's crazy sidekick. The, The United Nations ran off with this and just went nuts. They got their marching orders with sustainable development, green economy, and all that garbage. And we see that today everywhere. So the Trilateral Commission fed this to the United Nations. The United Nations took it and gave us back a whole portfolio of things that, uh, you know, initiatives. They gave us Agenda 21. 2030 Agenda is the latest thing. They gave us sustainable development. They gave us Habitat 3 with this new urban agenda, as they call it. They gave us Smart Grid. They gave us Common Core, Education Standard. They gave us Cap and Trade. They gave us Smart Growth. They gave us all the land use policies and stuff that we see in play today, ad infinitum. They gave us all the wilderness area stuff, all the biodiversity nonsense that came in with, you know, as the, as the eco-movement got involved with it. This is where it all came from, and this is what we have today. We're dealing with it. I insist on calling it technocracy because that's what it is. I I think words are important, personally. And, you know, some people say, well, I want to call it sustainable development. I say, well, you go right ahead, but, but in fact, it is technocracy. So why not let's just call it technocracy and just put it out there. See, these people, Doug, are running around um, crowing about their brilliance. You know, oh, we're so smart. You know, we, we know more than you. We got PhDs, you know, and, sure. and we know more than you do. And we're so smart. We've cooked all this stuff up, and it's really good for the world. You just need to trust us. You'll see. And what I want to say to them is, you lying pack of plagiarists, you didn't think anything up new. This was all cooked up in the 1930s. You people are pack of con artists. This this stuff has been laying around on the table forever. Well, not forever. That's an exaggeration. But at least back to 1930. And they just picked it up and barely repackaged it, gave it a new name, and called it their own. <laughs> you see, this this is one reason I get so upset. You know, I I you know as a as as a writer. And, and I was trained and hammered by Anthony Sutton back in the day. He was a world-class researcher and scholar. And he taught yes. me about plagiarism. Not that I had a propensity to do it, but he was a nitpicker on fact-checking. Sure. Uh, when, when he worked for the Hoover Institution at uh, Stanford University as a research fellow, they affectionately called uh, Sutton the Hoover vacuum cleaner. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Because there there was nowhere he wouldn't go. There was nothing he wouldn't dig into to validate facts. And he did. He did did just amazing work. So I'm sensitive to the issue of plagiarism and these people that are 
in the hierarchy of the United Nations cooking up all this stuff and in the Trilateral Commission. They didn't come up with anything new. It was already there. And you know what? Here's a coincidence. <clears throat> in 1932, te technocracy originally started at Columbia University. Um, they were housed in Hamilton Hall, in the, the basement of Hamilton Hall, for at least a year. And, and in incidentally, the early iteration of IBM was in the other half of Hamilton Hall at the same time. Uh, wow. that, that's another implication. But here's all these science and engineers from Columbia University involved with this technocracy thing, you know, creating this new economic model, et cetera, et cetera. Well, when Brzezinski wrote his book, Between Two Ages, in 1970, he actually wrote his first article on it in 1968. Guess where he was a professor of political science? Oh, 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 oh. Can, let me guess. Columbia. You only get one guess. You're right. <laughs> uh, did, did I get it right? Oh, wow. That's that was, right. That was a rough one. Wow. That that was, was, that, I, I was, was afraid a, I was going to miss that one. Yeah, that was just a wild yeah. guess. I understand. <laughs> but, oh, but uh, yeah, so here, you know, here you got a connection. I <clears throat> I don't know who he talked to there, but it doesn't matter. But the fact that he was at Columbia with all the archives available to him and the professors walking the halls, you know, talking about stuff, whatever having their social meetings and, you know, having their their annual Christmas parties and all that stuff. Yeah, you know, people talk, right? I mean, this is what academics do. It's all they do. So technocracy today is being, is being advanced as sustainable development, green economy. There, there's other terms that the United Nations uses now. But it all has to do with implementing this crackpot system that has never been tested, it's never been tried, it's never been even vetted by legitimate economists as far as I can tell. But the, the seriousness of the nature of this is seen in a statement by the former head of climate change at the United Nations, Christiana Figueres. Um, for several years, <clears throat> she was the executive secretary of what they call the UN Framework Convention on Climate Change. That means she was number one. And she said at a press conference, I watched her lips, it was in English, she did the press conference in Europe, I think she was in Brussels, if I'm not mistaken. But I watched the video of it, and I watched her lips move, it wasn't doctored, the, the words came out of her mouth and her, and her voice. <clears throat> this is what she said, direct quote from her press conference. She said, this is the first time in the history of mankind that we're setting ourselves the task of intentionally, within a defined period of time, to change the economic development model that has been reigning for at least 150 years since the Industrial Revolution. And if you think she was misspoken or something, whatever, she went on to say shortly after the same, same press conference, this is probably the most difficult task we have ever given ourselves, which is to intentionally transform the economic development model for the first time in human history, close quote. You don't have to read between the lines on that, do you? No, not at all. Okay. <clears throat> this, is, this is pretty plain, plain English. We don't need to twist it. We don't need to, you know, come up with some other definition or whatever she's talking about. 
she says, intentionally transformed the economic development model. That means capitalism and free enterprise. And what she's transforming it with is sustainable development, or into, and that's technocracy. There is no other, I mean, there just is no other possibility here. You know, another interesting subtlety about this. She says, this is probably the most difficult task we have ever given ourselves. Just think about that. If you ask the question, who gave the task for them to change the economic system? Well, it wasn't anybody outside the United Nations, was it? <laughs> One it was, wouldn't think. No. It was they themselves that you know that said this is the task. Now, I would wrap the Trilateral Commission into this too because it originally came from them. But when she says this, this you know this says to me, well, your brainiac sat around in a circle somewhere, and and you know they gave themselves a task. Hey, what are we going to do this year, folks? Somebody raises their hand and says, I have a suggestion, Professor. Let's change the economic development model. And, and with that, with that, Pat, Patrick Wood uh, is our guest. Folks, uh, hang on. We're at the bottom of the hour. We're going to be back in about three minutes. You're listening to Patrick Wood, uh, technocracy.news. This is his website, Technocracy Rising. Stay right where you're at. We're going to be right back. Patrick Wood is our guest. His website, technocracy.news. Folks, if you haven't visited that website, uh, make sure you bookmark that. Uh, the information that's available there <clears throat> about, really, about the nuts and bolts, about w- really what, what the, uh, this new world order, new world economic order, new international economic order, you pick the, you pick the phrase. The information there is extremely important. I mean, it, it just, perusing through it right now uh, and I, you know, I wonder how many people know this that Obama has seized enough land and water in 8 years to cover the state of Texas 3 times over all right, through you know federalizing lands that's just one just one of many items at technocracy.news Patrick Wood is our guest his book uh, it's, it's a must read you you <laughs> You cannot know what you do not know. Um, that's uh, that's next to the book uh, at technocracy.news, Technocracy Rising. We've got two copies here at the studio, and uh, I've read it, and it's just an, it, it, what a wealth of knowledge it gives you. Mr. Wood, you were talking about Columbia Trilateral Commission. Well, yeah, we... You know, uh, everything. <clears throat> we fast forward, basically, to say that uh, the Trilateral Commission fed the doctrine of technocracy to the United Nations. They took off with a number of programs to implement it all around the world. And here we are today. <clears throat> I, would, um, I would offer 
a statement by David Rockefeller. He spoke to uh, the UN Business Conference uh, on September 14, 1994. Now remember, that was 20 years after they started the Trilateral Commission, and they were uh, two years after Rio, the Rio Earth Summit at that point, where Agenda 21 is created. And he said at this meeting, quote, this, and remember, this is talking to the United Nations. He said, quote, we are on the verge of a global transformation. All we need is the right major crisis, and the nations will accept the new world order, close quote. Isn't that interesting? You, you know, the, <clears throat> yes, and, and, and many people want your take on the meaning of that statement. On, on, and I'm on, I'm ready. Okay, okay. The very, I, I, I actually, yeah. uh, I got I got a couple of emails today yeah. referencing that quote by Rockefeller yes. and wanting me to make sure that I ask you about that. So, but yes. beautiful timing. So, okay. Here's what's that here's mean? what came here's what came next. It's called global warming that's the crisis wow that was that was put on the table that's what global warming is all about <clears throat> and i'll tell you i follow this stuff i was i was around active intelligent smart out of college well i was stupid out of college right but i was just out of college back in 1973 had a little bit of experience and understood a few things I understood the long gas lines. I bet you remember those too. Oh, sure I do. People, you know, people in cars uh, ringing a block, you know, just to get one to one pump where everything right. else was empty. The price of gas went through the roof. I'm talking about gasoline here, not natural gas. The price of gasoline went through the roof. There was a huge energy crisis. And then during the heat, during the, the midst of that energy crisis, we were told that the world was going into an ice age and global killing was going to cool what global cooling was going to kill us all yep and that was the mantra during the 70s <clears throat> and you know what the same people were behind it back then Doug the same exact people that were creating the energy crisis back then created the energy crisis now and the same people that talked about global cooling back then they figured out gee that what that didn't go too good did it so they dropped it and they said, well, let's just flip it around. Let's just, you know, it seems things are getting a little bit warmer. Let's just say it's global warming and use that to scare the pants off of people. But you see, here's the thing. It's like a good cop, bad cop routine. <clears throat> you have global warming telling you that the world is going to die and it's your fault. And if you don't do something, people are going to die. Ocean is going to rise. Uh, there's going to be hundreds of millions of people displaced from their homes there's going to be mass starvation you know you know you've heard all the all the the scaremongering stuff from Al Gore and his his buddies sure well <clears throat> the only solution just think about it the only solution that's being offered in the right hand you know while the left hand is smacking you right in the face the only thing you have that's going to save you is uh, sustainable development green economy this is what we need 
alternative energy. We need to get rid of that evil old hydrocarbon energy and we need to do something new. And you see, this is the only thing. They didn't give us any choices. There's just one choice with the United Nations. And so they've got this con game going on where they slap you with global warming and scare the crud out of you, and they, they force you to run into the open and waiting arms of sustainable development. This is the... This is the this is the crisis. This is the major crises that so the United Nations took away. Uh, just to be clear on this, uh, global cooling uh, turned to global warming, which the answer to all of that is sustainable development, which right. really is the uh, social engineering of the masses, the science of social engineering, which mm-hmm. is at its essence technocracy. That's exactly right. It's pretty easy to understand, Doug. If you kind of, you know, kind of get the pieces on the, of the puzzle on the table and move them around a bit, it's pretty easy to break this down. It's really, it's really a simple scam when you see it from the top down. In fact, I dare say, there's thugs and gangs in Chicago that are executing the same type of a scam right now, today. Not with global warming, but you pick any issue you want. Gangs of thugs operate that way. You know, oh, you know, like, like take the extortion racket. Sure. Guy walks in your store, says, you know, your store has been here a long time and probably the materials and stuff are really dry, the timber's dry, and sure would be bad if you got, be a shame if you had a fire here and really probably burn the whole thing down. <clears throat> put the fear of God into you. Wow, I never thought of it that way. Yeah, it'd be really bad news if somebody came along and flipped a match or something in there, you know, <laughs> at nighttime. Uh, not that it would be me. I wouldn't do it, of course, but it'd be a horrible thing. Oh, my gosh, you start thinking about it. You think, man, if somebody could do that. There's a, You know, they could put a match through the mail slot on the door. And then they come back with the answer. You know, I could, I could protect your store. I could watch your store at night for you. And make sure that nobody throws a match through the mail slot. Wow. I mean, how much would that cost me? Oh, I'll, it'll only cost you 500 a week. <laughs> yeah, do you understand what I'm saying? E- e- is, exactly. Yep. This is the same thing. It's the same kind of a con. And they're yeah. working, they're working it right under our nose and the people of the world don't see it because they don't understand technocracy. If That's only right. they could get the big picture, Doug, they would exactly. see through this in a country minute. Oh man! Which, folks, if I have to, you know, let me remind you again: technocracy rising does explain this in great detail. And to me, it's a critical book to have to understand the uh, the workings of what we're talking about. And that's that's available via technocracy.news. Uh, Amazon and, and I mean I mean just get yourself a copy of that it's well worth every every penny of it so uh, yeah uh, this is thuggery at a refined white collar level I suppose it is yeah <sighs> just because they have PhDs and a few billion dollars in loose change it doesn't make them any different than you and me really they're still people 
Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and when they die, they're gonna, you know, they'll leave everything behind, just like you and me. So they think they're better than everybody else, but in fact they aren't. They're just, a, they're just a bunch of, uh, of human beings who have a rather distinct advantage over us because they have the billions of dollars and loose change to spend. But uh, I'll tell you, for the last few years, <clears throat> trying to convince people to be alarmed over this trend and this technocracy business, uh, the evidence has been compelling. You read the book before I told you. What I'm going to tell you something you didn't know that before. But when you read <clears throat> when you read the book, it made sense. I expect to you just as it was. The evidence yes. was there. Just okay. Yes. Here's the evidence. And I said in the beginning of the book, I said I I lay all of this at the feet of the Trilateral Commission, and that they stand naked before the evidence. So that I I stated my case. I built my case, and there it is. <clears throat> well, there were still critics that said, well, you might be stretching it a little bit. You might, you know, I'm not sure. You know, that's a long time ago, right? <laughs> 1930. And how do you know it's really connected? I usually just kind of pass off people like that because you can't talk to them anyway. You know, if, if, right. if they're already if they're already skeptics and they're convinced that it ain't true, I'm not going to stick around to try and convince them. There's... there's there's other fish to fry that will listen, you know. So I, I just right. go on down the road. <clears throat> but listen, a couple, few weeks ago, I ran across, I caught wind of a new book coming out on January 10th, 2017. That is five days from today, right? It's on Amazon. Only the Kindle version is going to be out first. I don't know if he's going to do a hardback, but people could get the Kindle version on January 10, 2017, the name of the book is called Technocracy in America. <clears throat> now, <laughs> just let the title say good for a second. It's pretty easy. Technocracy in America. It wasn't written by any colleague of mine. In fact, it was written by a world-class scholar with a Ph.D. from the London School of Economics, an undergrad and, a, and an M.A. from Georgetown, and a distinguished professor at the U School of Public Policy in Singapore. Uh, <clears throat> Esquire magazine, three years ago, declared that this person was amongst the 75 most influential people of the 21st century. Uh, okay, you get my drift here? His name is Dr. Parag Khanna. Dr. Parag Khanna, P-A-R-A-G, K-H-A-N-N-A. He was born in India. He speaks English as good as you and I, by the way, but he's born in India, grew up in Dubai, attended college in the United States and then went to London to complete his knowledge and then he began his career and he's had a career if he had hash marks for every achievement you know that he could wear on the sleeve of his suit I think the whole arm would be covered with hash marks the guy is the cream of the crop a brilliant guy I might add I, I look at him and I, I see a young Brzezinski honestly okay. and this guy 
Yeah, I'm looking so at his author's a, page. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm looking so at. So he's written a book. Uh, my goodness. Wow. Okay, go on. He's written a book called, uh, and we'll talk a little bit about his other books too, but he, called Technocracy in America. And in that book, he actually the only reason I know what's in the book is he wrote an article for Time Magazine a few weeks ago, discussing his book. You know, kind of laying out what it was about. And he himself, ish, you know, gave the points that his book makes about America. And he called, he basically says, technoc, uh, that democracy in America is broken. Now, I don't like to use the term de- democracy. We're, we're a constitutional republic, but you have to understand from their point of view, they don't recognize a constitutional republic. That means nothing to them. They only understand democracy, which is a um, <clears throat> more of a Marxist term than it is anything else. So don't get angry at me because I use the word democracy. This is what they use, okay? But he says democracy in America is broken, and it's time to implement direct technocracy in America. That's what he says. Direct technocracy. <clears throat> Let me just read it. Read the quote. I mean, this is amazing. Let me just read the quote that he writes on his promotional material. This is a direct quote. American democracy just isn't good enough anymore. The ideal, the ideal form of government for the complex 21st century is what Kana calls a direct technocracy. That's in quotes. One led by experts. Interesting. He calls for the abolishment of the Electoral College, of course. Of course, a lot of sure. people do right now, too, foolishly. Yeah. Uh, he calls for a streamlined and expert cabinet. That is, technicians, scientists, whatever, you know, that would run the cabinet. He calls for the abolishment of the Senate to be replaced with what he, with another device he calls the Assembly of Governors. And he wants every state, <clears throat> every state in America to elect two governors. One will be the home governor, and one will be the federal governor. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? He wants to turn the Constitution over to the Supreme Court for <laughs> modification. Sure. Um... Now listen, he's calling for this in his book, folks. <laughs> he wants to, he wants it, what he says, he wants to restore a strong federal service that knows how to run a country. <laughs> can you, can you, uh, sense the animosity he has for politicians and representatives of the people? Can you sense that? Restore a strong federal service that knows how to run a country. I mean, you idiots don't know how to run a country. So you need to turn it over to these experts. Let the experts run the country. Oh yeah. This is, this is Parag Khanna. He's writing about this. This book is going to be read. I guarantee you it's going to be read by every member of the global elite. All the Bilderbergers are going to get a hold of this book. All the World Economic Forum people are going to get a hold of this book. Every central, every central bank governor is going to get a copy of this book. This is what these people read when they're sitting on the pot. They love this stuff. They love this guy. He's a hero. 
Now he's saying what America needs is technocracy. You see, he's come he's coming right out saying it, Doug. Wow. He's he himself is saying it. Now, you know what's ironic? And and back in 1934, 1933, when President-elect Roosevelt was about to take office, a technocrat by the name of Henry Porter wrote a little book, and it got circulation. And in his book, he called for Roosevelt, President-elect Roosevelt, to declare himself dictator in order to summarily implement technocracy. And at the same time, he called for the abolishment, the abolition of Congress. Send them home, he said. They're useless anyway. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, just, you know, just assign us scientists and engineers and technicians to take care of all of civil society. We'll do a wonderful job. We'll run it. You know, we can fix everything that's broken. Well, we can, you know, I say this facetiously. I, I hope you understand my facetious attitude here when I say this. <clears throat> we can be thankful that all Roosevelt gave us was the New Deal. Because if he had taken them up and declared himself dictator to implement technocracy, and they really wanted that, they were prepared to go the extra mile to get it, then Aldous Huxley's book, Brave New World, would have come to life right then. Ooh. And since we're talking about Brave New World and Aldous Huxley, guess when that book was written? 1932. What was going on in 1932? Well, Columbia University was the talk of the town because they were housing technocracy in their basement. And the head of Columbia University, a name dropper, a, a jet setter, even though they didn't have jets back then yet, but he was a, he was a traveler who spent half his time in Europe hobnobbing with people like Benito Mussolini. Uh, he loved the, he loved the, 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 the royalty crowd, you know. Mm. Uh, Huxley got wind of technocracy when I was at Columbia and wrote that book. That book was written because he looked at technocracy and he said, I get it. <laughs> I think I could, I think there's a book in there. I could write a book about that, man. I got the inspiration now. And he wrote a book called Brave New World. Folks, you need to, you know, you gotta understand history to see what the heck is going on today. People use the phrase Brave New World every day today. So even school kids do. You know, it's part of our language. It's part of our vernacular. Any little thing happens, you know, some little surveillance thing. Oh, I see a camera up, uh, you know, on the street looking at you or whatever. Say, oh, it's a Brave New World, isn't it? <laughs> they have no idea what they're talking about. Right. They, it's like, okay, <clears throat> if they had done it back then, Brave New World would have come to life in 1934. Scientific dictatorship would have been in. And all people's representation would be out. Now, this was an economic system, remember, not a political system. 
But these people believe that you don't need a political system. Uh, Got to think about that for a second. Why don't they need a political system? <clears throat> well, if you're controlling everything people do, like picture the ant farm that you had when you were a little kid. You know, they they got the little tunnels and trails and stuff, you know, where the ants are crawling up and down in the sand. And, you know, you, you feed them a little food now and then, and they keep running around up and down the little tunnels. <clears throat> what do you need a system of governance for if everything is controlled? You don't need a government. All you need is governance. And people today confuse the term government, which we have one, and governance, which is basically what you have in the European Union right now, where everything is run by unelected and unaccountable technocrats. They're not representatives of the people at all. And they're getting sick of it. We're in deep doo-doo, Doug. <clears throat> and the stakes are so high. If people understood what, what the stakes are here, you know, President-elect Trump wants to make America great again. I don't want to talk about Trump, but I want to talk about that statement, make America great. Okay. I'd like to make America great, right? I mean, I'm not... (laughs) Who who, who wouldn't among us? Well, here's what made America great. Our system, our economic system of free enterprise, number one, that was moderated by our system of a constitutional republic. You can't really separate the two, really, because without our constitutional republic, we could, we wouldn't have free enterprise in the first place. We wouldn't have any rights to do that. But we did, and we did have rights, and our economic system is what made us what we are. Everything you have ever owned in your life, every job that you have ever had, every every little savings account that you ever were able to get a hold of, whether you made a few bucks or a billion or a million bucks, Everything that you are in this world is a product of our American economic system, the greatest economic system in the history of this world. Arguably so. Nobody disputes that. We are an experiment, if you will, that was never, ever seen in history before. And it was our economic system that made us great. And this is the very thing that they want to throw into the dustbin of history and implement this new system of scientific dictatorship where they run everything and we run nothing. Now, if they're successful at doing this, just just think about this for a second. If they're successful at doing what they said they're going to do, plainly said, remember Christiana Figueres, then what would America look like five years after they did it? It would be the worst train wreck in the history of the world. We would be utterly destroyed because our economic system was destroyed. This is what's at stake, Doug. It's not just a bunch of tree huggers that are at stake here. It's not just, you know, blowing up this dam or, or you know, uh, worried of, you know, doing stuff about 
carbon monoxide, carbon dioxide, or whatever. If they replace our economic system, we're done. It's bigger than people. Yeah, it's bigger than people can imagine, right? Can you? Uh, I know. It's like, can you understand rigor mortis? (laughs) 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 Hold hold on, right there, Uh, Patrick Wood is our guest. Can you understand rigor mortis as it applies to? Scientific dictatorship. <laughs> Folks, you're listening to the Hagman and the Hagman Report. My goodness, this is PhD level college stuff. Stuff, it's, it's things that, information you need to know. Connecting the dots. Patrick Woods, our guest, going to be right back. Stay right where you're at. I feel very fortunate. We have with our with us as our guest for the next two segments, uh, Patrick Wood. He's the author of Technocracy Rising. It, by far, one, one of my favorite books. Um, it connects so many dots. It explains so much. And, uh, of course, his website is technocracy.news. That's technocracy.news. And what you're hearing tonight Really, kind of it, to, to me, it just connects the dots, and and it, it's, and I said PhD level stuff, college level stuff. In a way, it is, but in in another way, it's it's very simple. It's transparent. He really does a great job in explaining to us what's really going on. Before we get back to Mr. Wood, I'm going to ask you folks. You know, are you sitting back now just because Donald Trump is in office and thinking, oh, hey, you know what? We kind of made. Everything is going to be just fine. Well, I dare say not. Um, I, if you're not using this time, this calm before the storm, to uh, to, to shore up your preps, I, I think you're you're missing the boat. I'm going to direct you to Minuteman Rocket Stoves, okay? MinutemanStove.com, MinutemanStove.com. It makes sense to have a sustainable backup method for cooking, and the Minuteman Rocket Stove is just that. And the, the Minuteman Rocket Stove can provide your family or any group, if, if you're in a group or family or whatever, the actual, uh, the key, the perfect solution to cooking. It's a small, lightweight, wood-burning ammo can turned into a rocket stove, and it's every bit as powerful as a kitchen stove. With decent wood, it's smokeless, fully self-contained for clean storage and transport. It is so efficient. It makes really a tenth of what you would need for ordinary fire is all that's needed to fire up your Minuteman. Don't rely on gas or fuel stoves. Eventually, that's, that fuel supply is going to dry up, burning wood inefficiently. It's going to require a lot of manual labor. That's why you need this stove. The Minuteman solves all of these problems. It's easy to feed and use. Prepare your family. Prepare for yourself. Order a Minuteman rocket stove today. It will make those rough times a lot better, a lot easier to to handle. By the way, their products are all handmade in the United States. That's important to us. Handmade in the U.S. in North Carolina. They're extremely rugged. It's got a, it comes with a two-year warranty. I, I got to tell you, no one's ever taken advantage of the two-year warranty because they didn't have to. It's made that good. And check out their array of fire starters as well. My goodness, their fire starters are just absolutely incredible. I've used them. 
and uh, I, I've never used. I mean, they are the best of the best of the best. That's MinutemanStove.com, 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 and make sure you tell them you heard this on the Hagman Report. Patrick Wood is our guest. Technocracy.news is his website. Rigor more. We we left off with rigor mortis. How bad it would be. <laughs> I I was during the break. Eric was doubled over, and my Eric the tech was doubled over in his chair. Uh, you know when he was, he said that that was a great line. Um, yeah, do, do tell. I mean, what would it look like? It would it would it'd be. Or, or, or yeah, you don't have to go there. I mean, it, go anywhere you want. But my goodness, wow. <laughs> I I I don't. I don't mean to to scare your audience, and I hope they're not scared. But somehow the message needs to get across. If we if we let these wackos destroy our economic system that has mm-hmm. made us great, we're done. We, yeah. th- you don't have to worry about electing another president. There won't be any more elections. These people want to get rid of our electoral process. They want to get rid of Congress. They want to, they, 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 what, what do you need politicians for anyway? They say they're just a bunch of idiots. They just get in the way. They're ignorant and they don't understand the technology that they're trying to manage. This is their attitude. It's the attitude they had back in the 1930s. It's identical. I've listened to these guys speak and write for 40 years, Doug. They are off the rails. They're absolutely they off the rails. And yet, they're the ones now that got the upper hand. They got the United Nations on their side with 200 nations in the world signing on to all this stuff. They've got untold billions of dollars that they've racked up over the years. And I won't say how, but they've racked it up and they've got it. And you and I don't. Well, I don't. I can't speak for you. Maybe you've got twenty million, twenty billions oh, stuck hey, away let me, somewhere. Let me check. Uh, Eric, pull up that mattress, right? No, I don't think so. Nope. No, not no, us. No, it's, my mattress is pretty flat too, <laughs> and, mm. and I and I don't have a safe buried in my back of my yard either, with you know uh, a ton of gold in it or something like that. <clears throat> but these people are dead serious about what they're doing, and I have to say they are sincere. In one sense, you know, that they, they have this core belief that they're sticking to over a long period of time. And so when I say they're sincere, they really believe what they're doing is right. But they're, uh, I, I believe, I, they're sincerely I even, wrong. I, you know, Mr. Wood, explain that. I, I, I mean, I, I guess I can understand kind of sort of. How can anyone believe? How can anyone believe that? Uh, yeah, to me that well uh, I don't know M- maybe it's just me maybe I don't get out enough I don't know but really they believe that they're right they really do it, something happens I don't know to some people not all people but to some people when they get a PhD something snaps in their brain you know it's like they've been initiated into the club or something and and <laughs> You know, all of a sudden they're Ellis like like some doctors have this attitude, right? Oh, that, that they're they're yeah. like God, right? And they well, what do you mean you're not gonna do what I tell you to do? You better <laughs> It's like, well, excuse me, who appointed you Lord and Master over my life? I mean, I want your advice, I don't want your dictating to me. Right. Um 
But, you know, I don't know what, I can't explain it, but they are sincere. They're, they're unwavering. It's not an act, in other words. Maybe that's a better way to put it. They're not putting on an act. Right. They really believe what they're doing. Now, <clears throat> when you, when you study Parag Khanna, uh, and I hope people will go take a look at it. I hope people will actually go and get the Kindle version of his book, Technocracy in America, and read it. Don't take my word for it. Go read what he says. One of his books, he wrote another, actually several books. He wrote a couple of them just more recently as well. <clears throat> One of his books is called Connectography. Yep. And the subtitle is Mapping the Future of Global Civilization. Oh, boy. Now, how do you like that for a title? You don't. I still say you should read the book. Don't just rely on the title to jump to conclusions, right? But <clears throat> he's into a borderless world. He thinks we should have a borderless world where the new actors of global civilization are the megacities and the mega regions of the world <laughs> that are connected by infrastructure. And he talks about infrastructure incessantly, by the way, everything from from sewer systems all the way to fiber optic cables and airplanes and high-speed rail and, you know, infrastructure is infrastructure. He talks about connecting the city-states of the world together in such a way that the world becomes essentially one giant integrated city. And if I can interrupt you right there, that makes perfect sense. When, when you talk about, like, for example, the elimination of the Electoral College, or the elimination of the Senate and 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 you know, putting the Constitution under the uh, uh, Supreme Court for revision, but just the first two I mentioned, it makes yeah. perfect sense now. Now it makes sense to me. It does. It does. Okay. So um, you know, he, they're they're looking, and it's not just him. This is the global elite's attitude right now. A borderless world is what they're envisioning. And they're envisioning on connecting all the cities of the world with this infrastructure, as they call it, uh, communications, mostly communications, but but also by uh, within continents, by high-speed rail, by other types of transportation systems, and so on, uh, and fiber optic, especially with the internet, you know, expanding the internet of things, tying everything together, um, <clears throat> running the world by big data. In fact, the subtitle of Technocracy in America book is Rise of the Info State. And of course we, we can identify with that, I think, just <laughs> Rise of the Info State. Oh yeah, you're talking about all of the spying, surveillance, all that kind of stuff. Yep, that's what it is, all right. Um, so his book, uh, Connectography, brings up a new concept uh, called Functional Geography. <clears throat> you and I grew up with we, I suppose you had to take geography in school somewhere along the way. I did. Oh, yeah. Yep. And I had to learn about, you know, what countries are where, and what I had to memorize a bunch of stuff. <clears throat> but yep. uh, we understand topical geography, second nature to us. He talks about the importance of functional geography and, and says that functional geography far surpasses the importance of geographical stuff, just, you know, where stuff is, borders and stuff like that. And this functional part has to do with how, how these megacities are turned into smart cities with, through the Internet of Things and through total management of the population. This is functional 
geography to him. Where where are the economic centers of the world? Well, they're the cities. That's where everybody lives. And so, well, when you connect the cities together, what do you get? Well, you get all kinds of interactivity and interaction. And, you know, one guy is going from this city to that city. And you got the, uh, economically speaking, you've got the supply chain going on where, where people are passing goods and things, manufactured things all around amongst themselves to get a final product to go out to consumers. And this, this is where his head is at. Now, <clears throat> listen, he wrote another book. This, this one will kill you. <laughs> well, not really. I shouldn't use that word, kill. But this word, <laughs> I know. Hold on your chair. I know where you're going. I know. Hold Go on your chair. <laughs> Another book he wrote, the subtitle is, I'll give you that first, Charting a Course to the Next Renaissance. <laughs> I, I knew title, that's where you're going. <laughs> the title is How to Run the World. Oh, man. How to run the world. Can we say hubris? <laughs> well, I yeah. mean, you know, he doesn't look at it as hubris. He looks at it as a great opportunity to connect all the cities of the world, to build out infrastructure and blah, blah, blah. And it's going to be a great economic time for everybody. You're all going to love it. <clears throat> now, he wrote another book uh, based on his TED Talk. He's done several TED Talks uh, over time. And I have to say, Kana is a compelling guy. He's handsome. He's young. He's I think he's under 40 still. He's brilliant. He's articulate. He has really nice mannerisms. He's the kind of guy you'd look at him and say, I wish I knew that guy, you know, just personally. I just wish I knew him and could sit down and have a cup of coffee with him or something, you know? He's that kind, kind of, of guy. Like, kind of like me without those, without all of those good traits. Oh, there you go. Uh, <laughs> right, right. Well, here's here's another book that he wrote, uh, or this might actually be a TED Talk. I'm not sure. I think he made a pamphlet out of it. It's called Hybrid Reality. I, I love I love this. i got to get my hands on it. I still don't have it. I'm going to. The subtitle of this, uh, Hybrid Reality, is Thriving in the Emerging Human Technology Civilization. Thriving in the Emerging Human Technology Civilization. And on the heels of those three books, again, the first one was Connectography, Mapping the Future of Global Civilization. The second one was How to Run the World. The third is Hybrid Reality. On the heels of these books, he produced and wrote Technocracy in America, Rise of the Infostate. <clears throat> Now, how much handwriting do you need to see on the wall before you realize <laughs> that <laughs> you know that this is real stuff? Yeah. You see what this guy what this guy has done for me, just personally. I'll just I, I'm not gonna I, I don't call this bragging necessarily, <clears throat> but what he's done for me, he's validated everything in my book. He's tied technocracy. He's tied technocracy to the United Nations because he is Mr. United Nations. He's tied it to all the smart city stuff, all the Internet of Things stuff, which I taught, all the surveillance stuff, which I write about extensively. Um, he's tied it, he's all the different policies, uh, sustainable development, green economy, all that stuff. He's tied it in because that's what he's been writing about for years. 
And now he comes out with this book, Technocracy in America, and says what America needs to fix its troubles is a direct technocracy. Mm. It ties it all together. It's like, okay, I was right, and all my critics are washed up. Except that all my critics are Americans, and they're citizens. Yeah. And I want to go back and just smack them and say, look, can you get a life here? Can you read? Who wrote this book, Technocracy in America? Was it me? No, it wasn't me. It was this guy. Who's this guy? Well, he's one of the 75 most important people rated by Esquire magazine in this entire century, as they see it right now. Would you listen to him? Would you consider what his would you consider his viewpoint on this? Yeah, I've called this stuff, Doug, I've called this anti American for a long time. Uh, I just kind of cut into the chase, you know, with, with local city officials and stuff, whatever, that are, you know, pursuing these Agenda 21 policies that they don't, they really don't know anything what they're doing, but they're doing it. And, and, and they're, they're taking the, all the, the, the clickbait stuff from the United Nations and implementing it in our local communities. And I, and, and I say to them, well, you know, what you're doing, with this general plan or whatever, uh, this is really anti-American, what you're doing here. Oh, what do you mean by that, anti-American? Well, it is anti-American. This is not the American way. This is United Nations way. And the United Nations hates our guts. And so what you're doing is basically anti-American. Oh, they can't ever get over that, by the way. I've never had one that did. They can't get over it. So, But it is anti-American. These people want to destroy America. Listen, he didn't go to Germany and write a book called Technocracy in Germany. He didn't go to South Africa and write a book, Technocracy in South Africa. He didn't go to Canada or Mexico. He came to us. And he says, this is what you, this is your prescription. I'm the doctor. You're the patient. You're, you're sick. I have the answer. I have the magic pill. You need direct technocracy in your country. And this is what I've been warning people about now for several years, that this is real. It's not a joke. It's not a drill. It's the real deal, and they are absolutely intent on sinking our ship. You know, I found a number of interesting charts on, on Dr. Khanna's website about connectography and how uh, you know, how, kind of how the world is all hooked together with these, these various things. And some of it's kind of cool to look at, honestly. I, I, I spent 30 minutes with one of these charts just kind of staring at it. <laughs> wow, that's, that's really something. You know, I didn't know that. But, um, I ran across one chart of North America with a whole bunch of infrastructure lines and railroads and you know, whatever high speed rail, um, you know, plans or whatever. <clears throat> and at the top of this chart were three words that gave me a deja vu and knocked me back about 10 years. The words that appeared at the top of this chart are North American Union. Ooh. 
You remember, I'll bet you remember a lot about the North American Union flap that sure. we had 2005, 6, 7 yeah. with the Trans Texas Corridor and what, you remember, <clears throat> you remember the Three Amigos meeting and <laughs> the, the Three oh, Amigos yeah. were the pre President Bush, the President of Canada, the Premier of Canada, and the President of Mexico. We, yep. we called them back then the Three Amigos because they got together and summarily decided that they were going to merge our countries together and we're going to be one big happy family. Mm -hmm. And yep. fortunately, a group of activists um, kind of derailed that plan and sent them back to the drawing board. And they didn't, okay, they didn't do what they wanted to do. The Trans-Texas Corridor that was promoted by Rick Perry, by the way, who was the governor of Texas at the time. I'm a little concerned that Perry is going to be in Bush's or in uh, Trump's administration, but that's another story. But um, the North American Union got derailed and the Trans-Texas Corridor never got out of Texas. Uh, they stopped it at the Oklahoma border and says, uh, not just no, but you know what, no. <laughs> Another word starts with H. And right. uh, they said, you're not going to build one foot into into Oklahoma. And they just turned them around and sent them home. But uh, the North American Union, when I saw this on Kana's website, this is 2017, 10 years later. The architect of the North American Union was Dr. Robert A. Pastor. He's now dead. He died, I don't know, three or four years ago. And he was a highfalutin academic, whatever, but he was the guy that was driving the whole process for the North American Union back in the mid-2000s. When I saw this chart on Kana's website with the words North American Union at the top of this chart, I, I just... I was shocked. I, I just, I don't know. I, uh, not a whole lot shocks me these days, you might gather, but I, I looked at this. I was shocked. I said, it's like, holy crud. It's back. <laughs> it never it died. I knew it wasn't going to die, but I said, this guy, this guy has picked up the trail and he's documented it for us now. Okay. I mean, he, from my point of view, when I look at connecting the dots, okay, when I see the patterns emerge, when I see, I know you'll appreciate that a lot of good, <clears throat> a lot of good uh, crime solutions are discovered by patterning, by patterns rather than oh, just yeah. a single smoking gun. Yep. I look for patterns. Professor Sutton taught me to do that. Look for patterns and things. You, you'll, you'll understand more about whatever you're looking at than any other way you can look at it. Look for patterns first, then drill down. Well, here we have a pattern stretching across 10, 12 years. The North American Union is still alive and well in the halls of academia. It's still here. Wow. It's on his website. I would encourage people, if, if you don't believe me, beat a path to Dr. Kana's website. It's progkana.com. And, or yeah. just type his, type his name into Google or whatever, and you'll find it really quick. Drill down in his website. You'll find that chart of North America where it says North American Union right smack dab at the top of it. <clears throat> and it includes Mexico and Canada. This was the same thing that the technocrats wanted to do back in the 1930s, Doug. 
they wanted to have a North, they called it a North American technate. And they wanted to combine Canada, Mexico, United States, plus all of Central America, plus the cap of the northern cap of South America. That was to be the North American technique. All one big happy family. <clears throat> All okay, running a common infrastructure. Going back to the 30s even. Uh, yes. Again, you know, I, 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 I heard what you said earlier, but just to hear it again. Oh, my. Okay. Uh, yeah, I know. This well anyway, this is Dr. Parag Khanna. I introduce him to you and I introduce him to your audience. This is a man that we need to study as hard as we studied Zabigna Brzezinski. We need to unpack what he's saying. We need to get inside his head and understand what he's saying. It don't I just encourage people, don't do the knee-jerk reaction thing and say, oh, why, that's an evil, blah, blah, you know, son of a gun, and and you know, don't, you know, don't get emotionally charged up over this exactly. But you owe it to us, to us Americans, to step in, walk in his shoes for a while and see what he's thinking and why he's thinking what he's thinking. If you want to know what they're planning for us, You've got to take the time to go in and discover what they're saying, what they're thinking, what they're talking about amongst each other. You, you know, a bunch of his speeches, for instance, are on YouTube. He's been, I mean, you wouldn't believe some of the places this guy's spoken. Just hugely global elite places, you know. These, these speeches are there. You can go listen to them. Nobody else is listening to them. I found one of his speeches that was... Um, I don't know, about three months ago, and it was a really fancy presentation. I don't remember the location now, but it was uh, like at a university or something, and he gave a, a really solid presentation. It was professionally filmed and, you know, the whole bit. I, I discovered this on YouTube. I was looking around. You know how many uh, views that his, uh, his presentation had received by the time I looked at it some four months after it was initially released? Uh, Catch this now, 24. <laughs> wow. Well, it's sitting there. Anybody could go, but, you know, YouTube is a tool for the masses, right? It's not really something that I guess that the global elite go to. But listen, we should be, we should be taking a video like that and making this guy famous. You know? Not for famous. For the right reasons. For the right reasons. Yeah. I mean, this... Let's, let's just lay this out there and see how the world feels about this. Fantastic you know? information. Uh, Mr. Woodward, hold that thought. This is amazing. And what we're going to do, folks, um, we'll have this information that uh, Mr. Wood has given us. And what a gift, too, because this is ammunition. And this is necessary field of study, I believe, in order for us to effectively fight and effectively put up that the, that bulwark against what uh, what they want to do to us, subjugate us, and enslave us. And again, uh, Patrick Woods, our guest, Tech, Technocracy Rising, technocracy.news is his website. Folks, remember, right back, stay right where you're at.
so proud to have with us Patrick Wood. He's the uh, man behind Technocracy.news. He's, he's the author of Technocracy Rising. It's an incredible book. We're talking about uh, a guy. We're talking about a guy that, uh, that wants to tell us how to control the world, basically. Uh, it, it's interesting because, well, his name is Dr. Paraga Khanna, and um, he's kind of the subject of, of the conversation, at least right before the right before the break. Um, before we get back to Mr. Wood, I just, uh, in, by the way, this is our final segment with Mr. Wood, and uh, we owe him a debt of gratitude for his generous gift of time because this is amazing, amazing information. But before we get back to him, folks, go to greenevative.com, greenevative.com. You know, they're a small company in Florida. They've created what's known as the GMAG Power Cell. This is the greatest little device I've ever seen. It's uh, the, the Super GMAG battery recharger. It's got replaceable magnesium power plugs. It, power plugs, and what it is, it charge. It'll charge about uh, six uh, one thousand milliamp hour AA or AAA rechargeable batteries in about three hours. It, it, you don't need sun. You don't need wind or a hand crank or anything like that. All you need is just about two uh, teaspoons of, of table salt and a little water, and bang, you've got yourself a battery charger. Neatest thing I've ever seen. It's affordable, lightweight. It weighs about eight ounces. It's durable. EMP-proof and environmentally friendly. It'll provide a, just a convenient and safe power uh, source for recharging um, AA, AAA batteries when the grid's down, when the sun's not shining, and you know when you just need power. Uh, Hagman and Hagman listeners, listen to this. This month only, all right, you'll get... Now, now this charges rechargeable batteries, all right, so you need those. This month only, January 2017... Here's here's their offer. You get a set of six 1,000 milliamp hour AA rechargeable batteries for each GMAG charger purchased. Just enter the coupon code HAGMAN. They'll do the rest. Simple as that. Greenovative.com. That's greenovative.com. One more time, greenovative.com, promo code HAGMAN. And you'll love it. I've tried it. It's just an amazing device. It really is. You'll love it. Uh, Back to uh, Patrick Wood. Uh, Wow, 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 wow is all I can say. Go ahead and continue. We're in our last segment here. We've got about uh, 20 to 26 minutes to close this out. So, man, you have just gone through a lot of information. So we're going to turn it back to you, sir. Well, you know, we talked about the book Brave New World Mm -hmm. early on by Aldous Huxley. The fact that it was written in 1932, same year that technocracy was housed at Columbia University. Most people, many people read that book. I had to read it uh, in my English class. It was a classic by the time I went to high school. A lot of people haven't read it. The millennials mostly haven't read it, although they use the term Brave New World. But very few people know that Huxley wrote another book in 1958 called Brave New World Revisited. <laughs> this was on his mind for a long time, 1932 to 1958. So you take a quarter century, uh, he wants to take a look uh, and revisit the whole thing again, right? And uh, it was all about scientific dictatorship, and so... The world had progressed a lot between 32 and 1958. And so he writes this book. 
Brave New World revisited. And here's what he said. One, one thing he said, I lifted a quote out of it. I couldn't resist. This is a direct quote. The older dictators fell because they could never supply their subjects with enough bread, enough circuses, enough miracles and mysteries. Under a scientific dictatorship, education will really work with the result that most men and women will grow up to love their servitude and will never dream of revolution. There seems to be no good reason why a thoroughly scientific dictatorship should ever be overthrown. Close quote. Gives it the warm fuzzies. And that's what he wrote. Wow. Now, having quoted him directly from his own book, my first reaction when I read that was that I took it as a challenge. Uh, in other words, I'll show you what can be overthrown, Mr. Huxley. <laughs> you know, you... you <laughs> You you want to see overthrown, man? I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to you. Uh, I, I, you know, I love it. <laughs> and I want I would want your listeners to take it the same way. Not just don't just throw up your hands and run out the door and say, "Oh my goodness, we're all doomed." Well, you know there there's going to be trouble on the horizon, but you know what? The American people have proven themselves over and over to be able to provide solutions to the ills that faced us. And I'm not ready to count out America or the American people yet. Yes, it looks bad. Yes, we have enemies, very smart ones, very well-funded ones. Yes, we have ideologies coming at us that we've never heard of before. But Americans have proven themselves to be a resourceful bunch over the last 250 years. And I challenge my American friends, our brethren, so to speak. Some people use that term, <laughs> you know. Right. I challenge them. Stand up and be counted or forever hold your peace. Now is the time, not tomorrow, not next week, not next month. Now is the time to get moving. Amen to that. We we we, we might not. We, you know, we might not have another chance at this. We won't. I don't believe we will. This, this well, is it. You remember. Uh, I, I, I wouldn't accuse you of playing seven-card stud poker um, or you know, or being an expert at it. I, you could be. I just don't know. I wouldn't say it, though. But everybody knows how you play uh, poker. Right. And when you have the professional championship games and they all sit around the table, some with their hoodies on and some with their dark glasses or whatever, you know, playing for the big stakes, it's the last man standing wins it all, right? And uh, so you start out with six or eight people, and one guy goes broke, and then another guy goes broke, and whatever. <clears throat> and there's a condition 
just before a guy goes broke and he kicked out of the table, where he gets challenged for a bet that he doesn't have enough money to cover, but he wants to stay in the hand. And so he takes all the remaining chips that he has and shoves them into the center of the table. In other words, he's got no more chips of his own. If he loses the hand, he loses everything. They call that condition being all in. When you have shoved your whole pile of chips into the pot, you're all in. Right? There's no turning back. You can't, oh, wait, I changed my mind. I'm going to take it back. You can't do that. They'll break your fingers. (laughs) You just don't do that, right? Oh, yeah. (laughs) You put your chips in. You're all in. You're either going to win or you're going to lose. And if you lose, man, just just get ready to get up and walk away from the table right now. Well, folks, we are, as a nation, all in right now. We're all in. We have no more reserves. We will not play another hand. This is it. We're all in. We better make it count. That's all I can say. Wow. You know, yeah. when you when you put it that way, I, I mean, honestly, we are. That's where we're at. A lot of people think that oh, we've got yet another hand, to use your analogy. One more hand. Um, no, I don't think so. And especially no, not when you put when you're all in. You've got, I mean, that's it. Um, you're yeah. you're you will survive on, on the cards that, that are that are played at that point. And um, you're right. You're exactly right. And, and the way you framed all of this tonight in this broadcast is amazing to me. When I sit and I look back over the landscape, over the bigger picture, as you have pointed this out, and how. They have incrementally, the the globalists have incrementally introduced this. And, uh, you know, what this green movement really is all about, or I I don't want to use that term. Well, this climate stuff is all about how all of this interconnects. You've really connected the dots on this and the scientific dictatorship. And, of course, the, uh, as outlined in your book, Technocracy Rising, and your website that is always ample uh, has ample news about what's taking place yeah we're all in what what can we do I mean the change that needs to be enacted of course we need to fight back against this Uh, practical steps a couple of practical steps here is get involved locally I suppose Um, you know kick them out Mm -hmm. kick the chair out from you know from them avoid the takeover Yes. Uh, educate people on this. I mean, that's a big thing. The the enemy is operating on data and intelligence. In fact, the subtitle of Kana's uh, book is uh, The Rise of the Infostate. Yep. They're beating us with big data. and But we, unfortunately, are still ignorant about what is even going on at all. Well, if they're beating with beating us with data, <clears throat> then the only hope for us is to to counteract it is to at least get a minimal understanding of what they're doing to us and how they're doing it. How can you fight an enemy you do not know? 
that answers itself. You can't. Right. You must know your enemy. And America does not know its enemy. It's sitting there basically sucking its thumb or smoking a cigar thinking that they've they've everything's just great now that you know we have a new president. We got rid of Obama mm-hmm. or we didn't get Hillary. Uh, I'm sorry. Americans need to get educated on what's going on here. They need to get the data into their brain. And that's my hope that people would read Technocracy Rising and 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 start and start to open their eyes to this stuff and to understand it because if they do not understand this enemy, they will never conquer it ever. It's impossible. True. You cannot True. defeat an enemy you don't know. Try and try and go out uh, I don't know if, if you know any martial arts, I'll assume for a second that you probably are not, a, you know, a advanced black belt and something. But go walk down the street and pick a fight with some guy who is. But you don't know it. When you go and pick a fight with him and you call him a dirty, rotten whatever, or you get in his face or whatever, you don't know that he is uh, of that skill level. And in about three punches, he, he's got you completely wasted on the ground. And you didn't see that coming. <laughs> you know, it's like, whoa, what happened here? Well, you didn't know what you were doing, you see. <laughs> Just You ran into an enemy, you didn't have a clue. Well, this is what's happening right now with America right now. They don't have a clue about the enemy that they're, we're facing, and they need to open their eyes. That's right. That's my hope. That's why I've been doing technocracy.news. This is the only website on the Internet anywhere in the world that is dedicated to talking about technocracy. You will not find another website anywhere like this. There isn't. I've looked. That's why I did it. That's right. And so I'm curating stories from all over the world about technocracy and the different types of things, stories that fit this meme. That doesn't give you the basic understanding that you get when you read the book, Technocracy Rising. Certainly it doesn't. Even listening to this interview is not going to give you all the data that you need you need to keep going after it and keep digging. Get the book and read it. I, I put an anthology or a bibliography, excuse me, in the back of the book with 265 references on technocracy that I consulted to write the book. Mm-hmm. You want to do more research? There you go. The book itself has something like 250 uh, footnotes in it as well. That You know, you want to do further research? There you go. I put it you, all in you, there. You, You've given us a marvelous tool. The book so, itself is full, is is great with information, the footnotes, yeah. additional <clears throat> avenues of research, and, and you've done a great job. Yeah. Yes. I recently did something else on my website that I encourage people to take advantage of. Uh, people are, still are asking the question. I just don't understand technocracy, and I get it. I if, if you never heard of it before, I understand where you're coming from. Um, and several people wrote me to that effect. By the way. I just created a special page on technocracy.news. It's, there's a, a graphic image at the upper right-hand side of the screen called First Time, question mark, Quick Start Guide. And I, it's I just that. right there. That's and a wonderful primer. Yes. So I created a Quick Start Guide, okay? I just, I sat down for a few hours and I just made bullet points and and little subtopics and stuff and you know tried to tried to just lay it out I put all my videos and stuff uh, my important more important video interviews that I've done 
uh, right in line. Um, I've got the book where people can order the book right there on that page. They can make contributions to our war on technocracy as well. And this is a place where people can get started. It's kind of like the uh, you know the, the the directory at the mall, right? <laughs> Where you, okay, now here's here's five articles. I'm going to go read some of those articles now. You you can spend as much time as you want doing stuff like that, but uh, I put it together on a single page where hopefully people can just kind of get into it more quickly than wandering around. You know, the Technocracy News website. I posted over uh, almost 1,200 stories, Doug, in the last year on technocracy it's becoming a research powerhouse now and I've got about 30 different categories to these stories things like uh, education, energy, food systems global religion even uh, green economy internet of things the new urban agenda you know these are the things that relate to what we're talking to Um, smart cities smart grid sustainable agriculture that'll set your hair on fire uh, but you can go to these categories and click on a category and, uh, like police state I'm looking at that right now you can you can click on that and you'll see all of the stories on the website that are categorized by police state and I'm looking at nine pages worth of <laughs> worth right. of stories here so this becoming a research powerhouse as well for researchers that want to see well it's just you know, zero in on one topic and see what it's got to say. You'll find all kinds of things to go look at. And I'm not writing these articles. I'm just taking the articles from other sources and making a few comments on it to put it in context. But basically, I'm just showing you what they're what these people are saying. And uh, amazing. Okay. Yeah. So we need to pay attention. We you, need you've to pay done attention. a great job with this. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. Um, and, and I do love that uh, primer page because a lot of people will. You know they don't know, so uh, this is good stuff. You've done a, you've done a great job. Yeah, I really appreciate you you coming by, and I really appreciate your your gift of time. You've been a you've been a very gracious uh, gracious with your time, and certainly with your information. And uh, I consider this one of the most important interviews that we've done with respect to technocracy or the the bigger agenda. I mean, to to look at the bigger picture, this is it. And, and uh, I commend you. I commend your work, and I thank you. I appreciate that. I I made a decision about 18 months ago, Doug, that uh, I was done talking to the quote-unquote leaders, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. the politicians, uh, whether it be politicians or, or you know, people that you think would care. Uh, and I just said, you know, I'm just going to go talk to the American people because yeah. it's it's ultimately our solution anyway that has to take the day. So I, I said, I'm going to go talk to people. and I don't care where I find citizens of our country. I'm going to go talk to them. And, you know, a, a program like yours has a lot of citizens. They may be no, they may think they're nobodies. They may be nobody. Maybe they are nobodies. It doesn't matter. They're citizens of our country. And I'm dedicated to reach those citizens. The rest of the people, I don't care. Sooner or later, the citizens will go make them pay attention. That's right. But I'm, I'm all in for reaching the citizens of our country to get this message into their ears. We are all in for assisting you in continuing on with the the fight against the, uh, well, to engage the battle in which we're engaged. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. My brother, thank you so much. We've, uh, you've done it. You've taken us to the virtual end of our program. We appreciate your time. Um, and, and do 
keep us posted. Any new uh, ventures that you have, let us know, and we'll be uh, turning often to technocracy.news. My pleasure. I will indeed. All right. God bless, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. Excuse me. That was uh, that's Patrick uh, Patrick Wood. As far as I'm concerned, one of the most if you listen to him carefully, and, and I would urge everyone, please do this for me. Take this program tonight and give it to a friend. Pass this along to a friend. The information that he provided, you know, Paul McGuire talks about Huxley, A Brave New World. He talks about the scientific dictatorship. We talk about this. We talk about all of these things. And one thing that Patrick Wood has done tonight, this interview, he identified a key player here. And really, now we have to set our sights on this man. Uh, I, I truly believe Parag Kana. I, I've, I've bookmarked his site. I'm going to get his latest book and his other books as well. I want to study this guy, like Patrick Wood had advised. Because if we don't take, if we, look, if we don't take, if we don't take his, uh, if we don't take his advice. You know, so, so what? I mean, what, what good are we? And everyone is somebody, and we all. And we start out this program, John and I, and we start out by saying that we can all make a difference. We can make that difference. And again, everyone is someone. If you're listening to this program, you are someone. You're someone important. You're you're, you're a very important part of the fight in which we are engaged. And in the closing moments here of, of this of this program here. I've got just a few minutes left. You know, I started out, as John said, I, I came in hot. And, and I and I did, because, folks, we're fighting... We're fighting a hell of a war here. And, um... You know, I, I don't know. I don't think you really have to be on this side of the microphone to understand. Although it does give you a, a different perspective. And I'm speaking from the heart now. In the things I've been seeing, I've I've only been doing the radio, the the, the video, the radio, our own show. We've only been doing this for what uh, five years or thereabouts. But the, the the number of changes that we've seen. Well, if you take the if you take the last, we'll say the last twelve months, it's almost a quickening of the last five years. And I really would like you to hear me very, very clearly on this. The enemies that are out there that are t- attempting to silence this news, and again, I would put Rick Wiles in this category, Dave Hodges, um, Alex Jones, uh, Ted Brower. Just, I mean, th- think of your program that you listen to, that you watch, along with all of the citizen journalists who we've brought on, the war that is waging right now and I uh, I just I really wish I could be precise with you is such like I've never seen I've never seen the frenzy and, and I'll save that word frenzy the attempts to shut us down some attempts you just never see coming some attempts 
you, you just don't know what they are until you until you unpack it and say, "Oh my goodness, wait a minute." Um, the the you know we've had look we've had people we have had people go to our sponsors and say you don't want you don't want you don't want to support this group the Hagman Report you don't want to do that we and, and think about that <clears throat> do people have that right I'm sure they've got that right and I'll say this all of our sponsors have basically said shut up and go away we've had people do things I mean from the most trivial childish things to the most sophisticated over the last several months we've been our our numbers have been toyed with because sponsors look at numbers we've had federal and state agencies sicked upon us without any basis of complaint. You know what I call that? I call that a normal week nowadays. So when you see and I know what I know what other people are going through. So when you see the video clip of, of Alex Jones saying, you know, just kind of coming unglued and saying, man, you know, the, the, these people, damn them to hell. You understand what's, I mean, I want you to understand what, what's causing that emotion. He's not wrong. This is what we're facing. And what I'm seeing if we're facing it here as a radio show, you're going to be facing it as somebody on Facebook, as somebody at work, in your neighborhood, in your in your group. You are going to feel the same thing. It may not be in the same manner, but you're going to you're going to have that same blowback. And when that happens, you gotta hit your knees. You gotta, you gotta just, you know, thank God that you're still able to, to be sucking air. But you also have to recognize that God is in control. God's got this. But do not, do not, do not, do not understate or believe that this is hype. It's not hype. The war is fully engaged, and folks, it's only going to get worse. That was told to me. That was promised to me. And I do believe that. Are you ready for it? I know we we're ready for it. It's easy to you know to have internet muscles, right? The bravado. Until you start taking on flack. Incoming. And I'll tell you what, it's tiring sometimes. It's discouraging. But I thank God every day for our listeners. And I thank God for people like John and JD and Jackie and Eric and Joe and all the people around us. 
and our wives and those people who support us but most of all for you the listeners who stand by us and say you know what we're all in too and thank you because we'll fight alongside one another folks do saddle for battle do not lay back and say hey we've got some time prepare and pray tomorrow we got a great show lined up for you it's going to be the rest of the week it's going to be about that tomorrow Friday God bless stay safe